Hi everyone, welcome to Beer Cake. I'm JJ Co, your host, and today um, our guest is Kyung Hae. Uh, he's actually a friend of mine from high school, and he's an artist and a photographer. Uh, so we'll be talking to him about his art. He's also traveled around the world many times. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Uh, you can find Beer Cake Podcast or Beer Cake with JJ Co on Anchor.fm, Spotify, and I think I'm going to try to get on Clubhouse too, get the podcast in Clubhouse. Uh, I think I figured out how. Uh, you could also follow Beer Cake with JJ Co on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay. Hi, Kyung. How are you? Hi. Good. Very good. Yeah. So right now you're in Amman, Jordan. Yes. Yes. And you're going to be there a couple of years, I think. Well, uh, right now projecting until um, summer of 2022. Summer of 22? So like, yeah, yeah another year. A little, right. little over a year. A year and a half or so, yeah. Because mm. uh, I think you, you went there like uh, towards the end of 2020. August? August. August. Yeah. Really? Was it yeah. August 2020? Yeah. Yeah, right, right in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> Actually, when you went, it wasn't so bad in Jordan, and I think it got worse, right? Why right. the cases? Uh, when we got here, it was only a little bit over a thousand, and before we got here, when we heard uh, we got the ticket and everything, and there was about five, six hundred, you know. And uh, when we got here, there was a quarantine process, two weeks in the hotel, expensive hotels, uh, and then one did, week. Did they pay uh, for the hotel? The, the school paid for the hotel. Okay. Oh, so, your employer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my partner is an uh, uh, employer, the yeah. school. And they pay for two weeks for the hotel and one week in the uh, apartment that they got for us, rented for us. So we just basically locked in for three weeks and we can't go out to, on the street or anything. And we just, uh, they brought food and leave out the window, I mean, uh, the door. And then we just pick it up and, you know, finish eating, wrap it in the plastic and put it out on the door. And uh, oh. it was like that for two weeks. And then when we got here, we got to cook, but then we can't go out to the supermarket to buy things because we have to wear a bracelet. You know, and uh, so we can't leave, you know, more than I would say it about 30 meters or so uh, from the apartment or even maybe shorter than that. Yeah. So it's very strict. But all of a sudden they changed the policy. Something, you know, uh, happened. I had no idea. It go from like a thousand five hundred cases to now over four hundred thousand cases. Wow. And yesterday alone uh, was about 6,000 cases in, in Jordan. And in the city of Amman, it was over 3,000 cases. So it's keep going up. And in the area where we live, it's called um, West Amman. Uh, and it's the epidemic of uh, the UK variant, the mutated variant. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So now it's like, it's like in nine thousands and you know oh six thousand so far but last year was nine thousand or something so it's gone up like it's really very invasive in this area 
And that's, uh, you know, um, it's going to go up even more because uh, people actually here, uh, there are people who actually pay attention to it and worry about it and they wear masks and so on and keep this social distancing. But there are other people who just, you know, think it's, uh, you know, it's a cold or, you know, or just a normal flu or they're just thinking that they wouldn't, wouldn't get it or something. I'm not too sure. And... Uh, but the government uh, uh, trying to stamp on it, to trying to uh, cut down, um, you know, the uh, you know, reduce the number of cr- people going out in the crowds and so on. So like today's news was like one of the city was like 300 people in a wedding got arrested. So, you know, and, uh, uh, and then so on. Okay. Well, so enforcement, it seems like it's a lot uh, stricter. Uh, like they what? actually arrested the wedding party why and they arrest a lot of people and they find a lot of people but i think they have done enough i don't think they they're out in full force they only go here and there and so on so they have not like you know and they just reimposed curfew uh last week um was it last week or two weeks now hmm. um they imposed curfew on friday so when people, because Friday here is like Sunday in, in the West or some other places because people go to visit family, they go to uh, the mosque and they uh, congregate. And so people, and they think that that probably causes a high uh, rate of infection. Also here is like in a desert, although Amman is a thousand meters above the sea level, um, all around is a desert, so people tend to stay up late in the evening, you know, so they kind of party. Uh, I'm not too sure. I haven't seen myself, but based on what I heard from other people is that people do uh, stay up. For example, the villa or the house next door, they seem, they seem to be very rich. They have a, this electric car. The electric car parked in the parking space all day, but then around 10 p.m., uh, someone there's a guy who would get into the car and then you know uh, would drive away every night and uh, i think people seem to be like go out at night time and hang yeah, out because it's and it's, then there's a there's a curfew now now they have to impose curfew after 10 p.m uh business has to close by 9 p.m so per pedestrian they can walk until 10 p.m but they can't be outside and so the streets though you know, supposed to be totally nothing moving. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, strange. Okay. So, so it seems uh, there are a few things. Uh, I don't want to get into this too much because this is not, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it seems there are a few things that are being uh, counter, uh, counterproductive actually, because being outside is actually, you, you tend to spread less if you're outside than if you're all indoors. Uh, right. But that does not mean people actually going outside to hang outside. They actually go outside to hang indoor someone else's places. Exactly. Because if you're outside, they catch you, they find you, they arrest you. So, so you go outside, but then you go indoors to hang out. Um, but it would be safer if they actually hung out outside. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. but but that's 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 the interesting uh, observation. But the p- people here, I think they don't really. Two reason: one is too cold to hang outside, so I they see. stay indoor. Uh. If it's when it's hot, 
uh, hang outside, it's too hot. So they want to be in air condition. So I, yeah. I think that's the problem. Like, you know, it's like chicken and egg. Which one comes first is, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, 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 it just go on in a cycle. It just keep going around and around. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, well, um, yeah, actually, I'm hearing more and more people, more and more people I personally know, uh, I'm hearing stories that they've gotten COVID and, you know, some, um, I think almost everyone that I know have recovered from it. Um, but yeah, there's this, everybody's handling it differently, you know? from the government level to the individual level, like everyone's handling it differently, it seems like. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, well, I hope you and Kara and, ooh, I forgot your baby's name. Uh, Nelai. Nelai. I hope yeah. you guys are staying safe. Uh, but uh, anyway, so let, let's talk about your art. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I mean, even back when I knew in high school, so, do you consider yourself more of an artist or a photographer or both? Well, let's say photographer slash artist. Okay. So I, you know, I do my projects um, based on idea and based where I travel to and I see something. And sometimes I take pictures, and sometimes I don't take pictures. And sometimes, you know, um, in the past, I I took pictures. And then I would look at the pictures and say, wow, this might be interesting. You know, I have something going on in my head. And then they say, oh, that may be interesting. And some other pictures just like, you know, look like a tourist shot or snapshot and didn't really pay so much attention. So I don't necessarily go back to revisit. But some places that if I find there's a project, I tend to go back again and again. Uh, maybe you a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, so, but I, 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 I originally focused mostly uh, on photography, and mainly documentary photography. Uh, when I was in college, I did a lot of experimental photography, in you know, and trying different things. But I think when I travel, it's probably easier and probably uh, much more interesting for me to go out and and visit places, especially places that. I don't think people would go, or it's difficult to get to. You know, it's like it takes you a whole day waiting for a truck to come by, mm. and there's only one truck. If you don't get in that truck, you'll miss it, and it happened. And sometimes you wait for a whole day, and you know, um, there's nothing moving, and you you have to go back to the hotel, guest house, and wait for the next day. You know, so things like that. Yeah. So, so you said uh, back in college, uh, you did more experimental stuff. Um, talk talk about that a little bit. What do you mean by experimenting? Well, um, you know, I did a lot of things in the lab, and so um, I, you know, would uh, do some uh, photographic project. Would you know would take the camera, and I would uh, shoot. Um, the film, and and I would uh, superimpose in camera, right? So people would superimpose on the printing or something, but I would do it with the camera. So I would make it a long strip, things like that, and you get a special uh, a negative carrier. It's like a panorama long negative carrier, 
or sometimes I would use uh, a certain tone, you know. And in a color lab, I would uh, print a black and white film on color paper, things like that. And yeah. So, so, so like yeah. for for people who are listening, this is back in the eighties. So this is actual print photography, not digital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then in the studio, I you know sometimes. Um, depend, you know, like in the projects and stuff like that. And, you know, I would keep shooting, uh, do self-portrait, portrait other people, some nude, some non-nude. Um, I would do, uh, you know, one of the projects, you know, like uh, people uh, kind of like really find it a little bit disgusting. I would go and buy chicken and I would take the chicken skin out and cook the chicken but not the skin and I would save the skin enough and I would uh, lay it on my face and things like that you know and I would photograph and then print it I take it in black and white and I would print it uh, on color paper uh, color machine and then you had this tonal thing but I trying to make it the color the chicken skin come out a little bit you know mm -hmm. and I think at that time, I think because of what I was thinking about eating meats and, you know, uh, it's very uh, happening at that time, vegetarians and and how we raise chicken, you know, like 50 something day and we can eat chicken where I was, you know, born in Cambodia and live in Cambodia and chickens kind of free range running around. Right. And it take a long time and the chicken will be very chewy and the chicken in the US will be like very soft. And then they feed antibiotics and all. So all those things uh, go into my head. And, you know, it's like, and we, I just count how many chicken I, you know, that I ate uh, each year. It's, there's a lot of chickens, you know? It's like, and, 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 and just imagine like, if all these chickens still alive, it would fill up the whole house, you know, even more. Um, so it kind of freaked me out a little bit. and. And so I think it was like I was trying to make something gross out from it and imply chicken skin. And I didn't go, you know, you know, um, I, I did did a series of it, but I was going to do different animals and everything. But it's hard to find the skin of the animals to do, to continue to do different projects in, you know. But uh, that was, a, you know, yeah. uh, aggressive projects I did. And um, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that one. I do remember some of the nudes. I remember seeing some of the nudes because, um, you know, you you've done a bunch of exhibits and I went to some of them. Um, and um, yeah, I don't remember the chicken one. I don't know if you ever exhibited that one. But uh, yeah, so we you wore yeah, yeah. you you actually wore the uh, chicken well, skin, like a whole chicken skin, and yeah, and then just the whole chicken skin, and just lay on my face. So the whole face will recover. Oh, and, you just laid it and, on your uh, face. I thought you wore it like a stocking mask. No, well, chicken is not big enough to, oh. to, to. My head is too big. <laughs> I don't know if you get a big you need, chicken. You probably need a turkey <laughs> to to. And but the thing is, even you have a turkey. Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess. But but I was not trying to cover my hair. The whole, uh, you know, like the whole idea was like it grow out my skin. You know, chicken grow out my skin. Right. And that's what I was trying. But the thing is, you don't see my eye, my nose. But then you kind of see it. You kind of like see the, you know, the 
layer, you know. Yeah, because it's uh, a little see trend. My nose. And you yeah. can even see one of the pictures I was laughing, you know, behind it too. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, because yeah, it's a little translucent, the chicken skin, especially if you stretch it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, they call they call me a uh, McChicken, Mc, Mc, McChicken. Yeah, that's okay. Whatever. Did they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People <laughs> was making joke. Yeah. So, so it seemed like you were experimenting with subject matter, well, all, all different aspects of the photography. Subject matter, lighting, uh, developing color, uh, different sort of like imaging style. So it seemed like you were doing all kinds of experiments. So, uh, yeah, and also the no. PC, you know, basically, uh, you know, political correctness and all those things. And I think that time kind of suck into it and, you know, um, uh, and, and you kind of like get into those those moments. Yeah. Um, you mean you were anti-PC? No, no, no. I was trying you were, to... You were protesting the political correctness. No, I was not protesting correctly. I kind of like absorb into political correctness. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Because so, that was happening, right? I mean, that's, you know, and, and, and it really, very, um, people, people become more expressive, people, you know, um, really into the, the political correctness and be aware of what they say, what they do and all those things. And then huh. you make work to speak against you know, all those political incorrect. Yeah. Uh, wait, so you were you were on the side of political correctness? Is that what you're saying? So you were expressing political correctness? Well, okay. I'm more leaning on the left. <laughs> How you put it. Okay, uh, so politically left. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, more center to the left, right? Yeah. Mm. So I was speaking on the thing that was normal and people take it for granted and, you know, uh, trying to get people attention, um, trying to get people become aware of things, okay. whether it's personal or is it uh, society? Yeah. So was it was it always like that? Because I know you you did several um and we'll we'll look at some of the photos in a little bit. But you did some uh, political photos, like you were at Tiananmen Square protests. Uh, you were there actually. Right. Uh, it was in 1989. Right, 1989. I went there uh, in college. I went uh, I went to Plattsburgh, and then I transferred to Buffalo. And when I finished my uh, semester in Buffalo, I went to study in China in Beijing, and on my last semester, second semester in the spring, that's when things happen. And, uh, you know, I got caught into the whole thing. Um, but I, at that time, I wasn't sure where, you know, if I was into, photog into photography, into art, or into business, into what, I really had no idea. But I was interested in, in, in taking pictures. And, you know, I took a few classes and so on. and kind of like put myself into use. And so you know, I would cut classes and so on, go to Tiananmen Square <laughs> on a bicycle. Uh, sometimes I would ride a bicycle all the way there. I rode a bicycle all the way there. Or sometimes I would, uh, 
you know, get as far as the subway system, and the subway system is only two lines. You know, one goes in a square and one goes straight back and forth. You know, yeah. and they just go around. They never actually have a, I don't know. I don't know. They have a, a, a station. They just keep going in the square. The other one, they go one end to the end. It's only two lines. Now there's like 13, 15 lines, you know. Um, so I would go to the subway station, one of them, and then get on the train and the subway, and I would go to Tiananmen Square. And then I would uh, spend hours until, you know, dark. And I don't like to stay out there in the dark. So I would come back around sunset. So I would do this every day and, you know, go to class in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I would go there. And sometimes when there's a major event happen, like there's certain events, uh, the date, you know, like, yeah, May 1st, May 4th. And you know the, the hunger strikes and you know martial laws and so on. So all those time, I if it happened in the morning, I would cut class and then I would just take a bicycle and go and grab my camera and a few rolls of film, um, going down there. I mean, I was there not as a journalist. I was there as a as a student, but not part of the protest is observing what was going on. And I honestly didn't really know what I was doing. I just basically, when I took the picture, some picture I would really carefully compose the composition. And some of the picture is just crowd. I just keep snap, snap. It just amazed me like how many people uh, went out there to protest. Um, you know, I mean, from a few hundred to tens of thousands to almost as many as a million. So, mm. Wow. So uh, Tiananmen Square, so it's, it's like an open square, uh, like an old-fashioned town square. Is, is it? Right. Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a square where the Communist Party, uh, the Chinese Communist Party uh, built their, um, basically their center mm-hmm. in front of a, uh, forbidden city, which is like where the emperor, after emperor after emperor, where they they rule and where they live, with their concubines and so on, their, and their army, they basically build in front of it, and they build their the great hall, and then there's a history, uh, the people history hall, and then uh, you know, um, and they have all these different departments uh, line up along that uh, street. And then they, and Mao, uh, when he died, they, you know, they didn't really cremate him, bury him. They basically store him in this mausoleum, they call yeah. Mao Mausoleum. And so people would go there to see. But between the Forbidden City and all this hall, it's a square. And, you know, um, people go there to, um, to see, to meet, but when there's an event, the military or the uh, government would have parades and they they block everyone out, and then you couldn't see very colorful flags and parades and so on going on there. And uh, the yeah, yeah. So you went there knowing that that's that it was a, for lack of a better word, it was a popular place. This is where people go, uh, whether they want to 
see something happening or they would just want to meet with their friends or, or whatever. But it's a, it's a place that people go to. Right. Okay. Right. And yeah. as a tourist, you have to go there. I yeah. mean, okay. you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you said you went there every day. Was it? I went there every day from the beginning, uh, except a few days that I went to in Mongolia. Other than that, I went there every day. Sometimes I took pictures. Sometimes I didn't take pictures. Looking back, I regret not taking enough pictures. You know, I was very conservative. But also, uh, there's a few reasons why I didn't take a lot of pictures. Right? I took like maybe 30-something rolls of film. Um, one, financially, it's expensive. Uh, you know, a snapping picture. Second, what am I, what I going to do with those pictures? I mean, I knew it was something important, that something historical, something that happening. So I took those pictures, I thinking those, those, you know, but I'm sure I can snap even more portrait and, you know, like, but I didn't really do portrait, portrait. I just snap like crowd and sometimes, you know, certain thing that people do and I would snap them. I, again, I was a student. Right? I was like a sophomore and, and I just finished my sophomore and going to my junior. Um, and I just just knew that something was happening, but it's not clearly exactly how to put things together. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to really convince myself and say, you know, I just keep taking picture of anything that's going on, you know. And uh, so when something's going on, I would follow the parade. I would follow, you know, uh, people uh, on the loudspeaker. Uh, and I would uh, go into the tents and, you know, and and then if I see a crowd gathering, I would just try to go and see what they're doing. And you, someone would be come out to speak and people uh, were free to speak. I mean, it was a very uh, interesting moment, you know. That's where the students, you know, mostly students. I don't think anyone out other than students were there. Yeah. Anyone were there, probably spectator or people like me, go there and just very curious. And so people were going up and they feel very free, very, very, very empowering. You know, they feel like uh, they're Mormon. And uh, they was very hopeful, you know. But also every day there was something out, you know, whether the government would say something and then there was a reaction to it and then, you know, perpetuate such situation, make things escalate uh, the situation. And then uh, the beginning get more and more crowded and then it kind of die out. But then when the hunger strike came in, the crowd started to come back again and then die out and then they come back again. You know, um, it lasts for, you know, from uh, mid-April to first week of, of June and uh, June 4th. That's the day that, yeah. that's the, that's the they the, call it the massacre, uh, you know. That famous uh, picture of the, of the young man in front of a tank that day. Well, the picture would crop it four times. Right. But actually, it was not four tanks. It was a, a, a convoy of tanks. There's a, 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 maybe a dozen or so uh, tanks lined up. And, but the, I think the person who took the picture angled it, uh, uh, those four tanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, four or five tanks. I don't remember the, the, how many tanks there. But anyway, and, you know, that, that, that uh, 
person who carrying a public student or maybe uh, one of the uh, uh, people who support the, the student. I think most likely it's a student or a graduate student. And no one knows exactly what happened to this person. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so it seemed like back then, um, so it, there was a lot of protesting going on, right? That's, that's what it was. It was just, just a lot of student protesting and demonstrations and that sort of right. thing. And well, it started, it started with uh, a, a pro-reform Secretary General of the Communist Party who uh, were ousted I, who who were seen as a more uh, pro-democratic, pro-reform. And uh, when he died, uh, and it, this has happened before too in the Chinese history, you know. Mm -hmm. um, when someone died, they would mourn, and in the morning turn into an opportunity to protest, to voice their angers and, you know, and, 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 uh, expressing that they want to have more freedom. Um, I don't think they really talk about democracy or anything more it was like anti-corruption, more freedom to, and back then, you know, you can't just go and find your own job. You know, uh, the government give, will, will, will assign you a job. So you, you major in science, you may not necessarily get a, a job as a scientist. You may get a job as something else, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so people want to have their more personal freedom, they have choices, you know. But I don't think at that time, even though they called pro-democracies and so on, um, but I think it was more of, you know, people want to reform. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, and then the protest happened from mid-April. Uh, and then it's, you know, they said, escalate uh, one after another. Um, I don't have the timeline here, but I think it's yeah. uh, April 15. And then it's, uh, there was a second one, like April 26, May 1st, May 4th. Um, and then the Honkers strike in the middle of uh, May. And then there's a martial law uh, a week or so after that. Mm. And, and then... And then there's uh, June uh, 2nd, there were the military, you know, uh, trying to come in. And then June 4th, it's when the, uh, the, the, the military, you know, uh, they send the military, they one, the, the, the military this, the, uh, that guarding Beijing, they didn't come in. They, they brought the troop from somewhere else and to come in. And they were outside when they came in. They drove the tank in, you know, and they were uh, ran over buses and, you know, mm -hmm. and there are cases where they open fire and and cases that they roll over uh, people, and their bicycles and, you know, it's very bloody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then uh, there were cases where uh, people were talking about, like, you know, the military would line up and they would shoot it randomly without you know, even aim just any into the crowd and, uh, you know, trying to clear out Tiananmen Square. But the shooting is actually mostly outside of Tiananmen Square, um, of the road going towards Tiananmen Square. And that's where the most bloody uh, shooting and, you know, um, uh, people get crushed and so on. Um, 
So people get shot, fell down, and you have these people who might be parents, family members, and friends, and and you know people who residential people, and they went to trying to help those people, and they also get gunned down. You know, first wave, second wave, and you know I, I heard that repeated a few times, and then the tank would just roll in right into the square. And I think you probably see images or the video of where the tank was rolling in, and then people threw the uh, gasolines uh, on the tank and burn them, you know, and then yeah. roll. I mean, it's just very, very violent, you know. And but I think the student protest it was very peaceful. Um, I don't think they have created any violence, even you know, always to the end. I think there was some violent that happened but that was not done by the uh the student and then i think some students say that some of the violent happened uh it may be uh done it by um they think it's conspiracy you know to use it to blame the the student for causing the violence but the, i don't think the student the student actually is a peacemaker they're trying to separate the resident who's very angry uh, that the tanks and the military came in and trying to clear up the square and trying to separate them, you know, so that there should be any violence because they want to be known as peaceful protests and and they don't want uh, people to carry away uh, their agenda. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember in terms of news coverage, how much there was about all of that. I do remember the tank. Uh, the right. tank and the one guy standing in front of the tank. And actually, I think the photograph was e cropped even further. And I, I don't remember seeing multiple tanks. It was just one tank and one guy. Um, but um, yeah, it was that's it was definitely an iconic kind of uh, image. And that was reported on quite a bit. So you were actually there when that happened. Wow. Okay. Um, I went there during the day, as I mentioned before. At nighttime, yeah. I don't like to be in the square. Oh, that happened during there's the a, night. There's a, yeah, that happened uh, in the morning before sunrise, right? Okay. So in the evening and then the morning, like I, you know, after midnight, that's where the serious shooting and so on, mm. and until before sunrise. Um, so I don't go there at nighttime for one. one I mean, I did go a few times, but. I don't take picture with flash, mm -hmm. so I take picture with natural light. Even though I have a flash, I just don't. That's another regret, you know. That's another regret not 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 to go, you know. Um, I I was too uh, focused on my idea and this natural light thing, where you know I didn't really experiment with flash and so on. And that could have been very interesting with flash, you know. Mm -hmm. But then also it can get me into trouble because people don't like being flash on it and so on, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's one. Secondly, uh, when the when I knew that the violence is going to come, you kind of know it's going to happen. Other people probably didn't realize, but I think some people knew that it was coming. And I kind of, like on the, the 3rd of June, um, when I went to the square, um, there's a few things happened. There were people throwing rock. Certainly not the student. I think it was like workers and Beijing residents. They were throwing stone into it, and they were upset that 
the military sneak themselves in, and then they use a public bus, right, a civilian bus, to transport machine guns and guns and so on in, mm. and they get caught. And so people were throwing stone, and I saw that, and I also saw people were trying to attack the the, the soldier. And early on, there were some commanders, some of the uh, leader who were trying to to calm people down and get attacked. And I think if you Google through images, you see some of the commander, um, you know, you know, like commander, uh, they, they, there was a bleeding all over their face and so on. Um, and so I kind of knew that that was going on. And when I took picture, one guy came and pulled my, you know, uh, shirt. And then they say, who are you? Why are you taking picture and everything? So I had to flash my, international student card, mm. which is uh, issued by the Chinese, they call it white card. And even though it's uh, yellow, but they call it white card. Um, I would flash and then and then my student ID, which is like a communist red, uh, a booklet, you know, with my pictures and my name on it. So you saw it and they say, okay, yeah. And I say, yeah, I just take picture. I'm interested in taking pictures in, in Mandarin. And so he let me go, right? And so, you know, um, then as I was biking towards uh, the dormitory of the school, I saw a busload of, you know, um, guns. I mean, and, and there were people who took guns out, put on the rooftop. I said, that's, that's not good. That's really not good. So if, this if the gun get in the wrong hand, so this, this is like June, June 3rd. 3rd. Uh, okay, the day uh, before. Uh, yeah. Before sunset, yeah. Yeah. And um, so when I saw it, I, I realized that this is not good. So I, I took some pictures. Yeah. People took the guns out and so on. And I, I, I say, I'm not coming back. And, you know, because I, anything can happen yeah. at, at night. And my concern was like, if someone get a hand to the, one of those guns and open fire, it'd be, you know, that, that will give a good excuse. But whether excuse is not, knew that they're going to come in because they, they, they're not going to tolerate this. So, but they, they plan to come in and figure it, you know, whenever they want, feel that, that if they're at risk. And I think when people uh, block and control over a busload of guns, um, that, that's, for me, it's, yeah. So, yeah. It's time okay. to get out. So, so when you say they and people with the guns, you're talking about the government. No. So what happened was... Uh, so who were, who were bringing okay, in the Okay, the, the military was outside yeah. on this uh, perimeter around Beijing, right? Away, far away from Tiananmen Square, many miles away or kilometers away from Tiananmen Square. And they're waiting to come in. But they can't come in because the student were, and the resident were blocking them and trying to convince them not to come in, right? And they didn't come in, but um, w w I think on June 2nd evening or maybe June 3rd morning in the dark, like after midnight, um, they, the soldier walk in because they can't really drive the bus in. To sneak them in, they walk in by the thousands of them towards him in square, get ready to clear up the square. They also need guns, but they didn't carry guns. So it kind of fooled people like they're 
you know, just soldier. They they didn't come in uh, with guns or anything. They're not violent or anything. But there were buses load of guns in a civilian bus trying to sneak in. And then they were stopped by, you know, the protester, the supporter of the student, and the student kind of taking over and 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 make sure that the gun is not going to anyone else's hand. So so the gun were brought in by the government or the military, but the protester block it, held on to it. The student kind of took control of it to make sure that the gun is not you know, okay. get yeah. So okay, so the government, the government and military, they were bringing in soldiers and bringing in guns, sneaking, trying to sneak them in, using civilian buses to basically clear out all the protesters in Tiananmen Square. But en route, the students they blocked that and they confiscated all the guns. So who, who were who were setting up the guns the night before? Uh, the people that brought in the gun is the government, the military. Yeah, that okay. So that's what I was saying before. So it was the it was the military. They that transported brought... in. Yeah. You know, in a civilian bus. Yes, yes, yes. That people didn't realize, and people can't really see it's a gun, but it was packed full of stuff in there. Yes. When they stopped the bus, they found out there was all these machine gun, AK forty sevens, and all those uh, yeah. machine guns uh, uh, in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, okay. So. Uh, well, because you say you say they for everyone, <laughs> so it's kind of it's a little confusing to follow. <laughs> okay, confusing. Well, okay, I trying well, to separate the government, the military, and uh, the, yeah. the student, and then there's a uh, the, the supporter of the students. Okay, yeah. the yeah, student supporters. Yes. Mm. Okay. So 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 the military were bringing in the guns. The students blocked them and confiscated confiscated the guns. So they, so, so the students confiscated the guns. So who were the ones who were setting up the guns? You saw, you said that you saw the night before people setting up guns. Who were they? Why, it before sunset. Yeah. My, on my way back, um, I think the student had the control of the the guns, and one of the su- student supporter, I think, took the gun and display on the rooftop, uh, uh, a machine gun. You know. And so, but I think it was uh, uh, the student had pretty much in control to make sure that the gun does not get out of hand. But also I was worried that the guy who brought it up, to me, did not look like he was a student. Yeah, he looked like he's just one of the supporters mm-hmm. and who wanted to show off the guns and, 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 and work together with the student to make sure um, the guns not get out of hand to someone else. Is yeah. that is that why they brought in the tanks because the gun the guns that the military were bringing in were confiscated? I think they tried many different tactics. Hmm. One is they brought riot police, but they they didn't. They only had like a hundred. I mean, there were thousands of them. You can't possibly, and because they're so repressive, that the police don't really need to use anything. They just go and grab people and beat the hell out of them, or you know, throw them in jail, and thinking that that will scare people. And so when the the student marching towards Tiananmen Square uh, at the beginning, uh, what they did was uh, they they was holding each other's arm, trying to block the student, and it was like four or five layer, but the student so so many of them so forceful, 
they didn't attack the police. They basically just from the back keep pushing, pushing, and uh, you know, from the back push one person, you know, and, and then another person push another person in front of them, and and basically yeah. broke the the police line, and they marched towards Tiananmen Square. That didn't work. Uh, you know, they thinking like, you know, what they did before they were enough to repressive uh, uh, measure that they did before they were, were, were deterred, but it didn't work. And then they brought in the uh, riot police with gears, batons, and so on. And, you know, I mean, it just looked like a parade. Yeah. Um, didn't really scare the, the people there. And, and it was like, you're talking about, you know, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people, uh, students marching. And then you have the resident who lying up in the street, uh, cheering them and waving them and offering them water, give them food and give them sweets and so on. And, you know, some cases even give money as a donation. So you have lots of people. And then, uh, you know, they, they trying to playing uh, propaganda and so on. And that didn't work. They even dropped leaflet from the helicopter. Didn't really work. And they, then they declare martial the government. The government, I'm sorry, yeah, the okay. government declare uh, martial law, and there's a struggle be- going on between the conservative and you know liberal uh, uh, group of pro-reform, and the pro-reform basically uh, uh, you know faction of the Communist Party say that you know uh, we shouldn't use any uh, uh, measure that can really cause violence and so on. Mm. And the other group say, no, you have to stop this. This this has to stop, you know. And there was a struggle going on within the Communist Party. And but I think uh, they didn't have to come in with the military. You know, the government didn't have to bring the military in. Um, yeah. But well, I think they they did that because that's the only way they know how. Yeah. And and and. You know, it's the old-fashioned way. Uh, if they have let it go on for another month or so, you know, the protest may be dying out because, you know, uh, it get hot, you know, people get tired of it and so on. Like protests around the world, if you let it last long enough, sometimes it just faded away. Uh, they didn't really have to use force. And I, I think they really feel like they have to use force because they want to give a strong message, right? Right. And, and you know, when you send a military and let give them the permission to open fire, they're going to do it. Uh, they train to kill. They're not training to, you know, to talk to people, yeah? And, um, yeah. So uh, so what, what, what I'm trying to explain to you is that the reason you have guns is that they first they're trying to bring in the soldier in so that you know um, to clear the square right um, they have clubs and so on and you know use it to 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 attack people and then uh, that that when they clear up the square uh, the government uh, the soldier clear up the square they use you know uh, a long you know, a piece. I look like a, a piece of branch, <laughs> like nicely polished. Uh, does not look like a police type. You know, mm. um, a baton. Uh, yeah, baton. Is that baton? Yeah. 
Yeah. The, the and stick that the police use, right? Why well, the police they usually you know a certain length and then you know have a handle and stuff like that. But these one is really long, you know, like. Um, you would so you would probably still call it a baton. Okay, yeah. so and they came in and then of course uh, they didn't want the soldier to carry gun to 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 kind of sneak the soldier in, and then they transport the government, the military transport the uh, gun in in a, a civilian bus, so they disguise um, the weapons, right? Mm. And 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 then the, the 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 trouble is, people you know get very suspicious of a bus moving because nothing was moving, uh, everything was blocked, right? And and it was stuff in there. So when they stopped, they saw it, and and the gun basically trying to bring it into the square, and probably the whole idea is to use them, you know? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Or either use them, or or it's an intimidation tactic. But um, but either way, um, so so is so is that when you started becoming more of a documentary of photographer? Right. So when I went back to school in Buffalo, I decided to major in photography. So ah, and so before that, when... okay. So before that, you were just majoring in art, like fine art. No, I didn't have a major. Okay. Right? So I really didn't have a major. I was, I mean, I went to Plattsburgh in the art department, but I was not really completely uh, going right, to decide I, to major. In, yeah, because I really even, wanted to, to focus on art, and I took art classes and so on. But also, I was thinking like take some business classes, you know, as a, huh. a Chinese descendant, and parents always say you have to. Uh, make some money, right? And so, how do you do that? I was trying to figure out like art and business and how that really work out. I'm not too sure how that's gonna work out. Um, maybe business and art, and art business. I'm not too sure. But I kind of leave it open. wasn't sure exactly what I was gonna focusing on. Yeah. Lot, lot of, a uh, lot of uh, NFTs are doing well. Um. I don't know if you know crypto and digital art. Uh, a lot of digital art uh, artists are making a killing these days. Um, it's, it's a whole crypto world thing that I don't really know how to explain other than the fact that it's blowing up right now. Oh, not me. I yeah. make no money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't quite understand it either. So in the whole like crypto world, um, you could have like there is, you know, uh, there there's um, crypto markets like um, digital art markets where an artist, you could you know create digital art and sell it. And um, and some of them go for a lot of money. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, that whole market is blowing up now, and so you know, yeah, a lot of artists are making a killing. I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> this yeah. is sort of. Yeah, I, I'm totally removed from from this. I know digital but, world and even art world because here yeah, I haven't seen the gallery yet. So. Um, yeah. No, because you were you were saying like you know how do you you know uh, combine art and and business and so it just right. like yeah made me think of it. I think um, the people who make money are probably not the artists as much as the the middleman. 
No, no, no. The, this is no. There's no middleman. This is the artists making it directly. They're direct selling it. That's right, how the marketplace right. works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I need to find out more about this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll send you some links that my friend sent me. Um, actually, yeah, a, a friend of mine. I I met her. In uh, 2018, she actually told me about it, and I started lo looking into it, but then um, I got distracted, and I didn't really do anything about it. And so uh, I think if I had gotten into it, maybe maybe I could have made some money. I'm not sure. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole crypto world, it's still uh, somewhat, the whole blockchain and crypto, it's still, um, it seems very conceptual to me still. Like, it doesn't, like, I don't really know how it actually has real world applications or value but um but yeah it's it's yeah it's, it feels like it's just something kind of out there i'm not sure exactly how it works and yet you know i don't know <laughs> I, i'm not making any sense i should not even yeah. talk about it but anyway so Okay, so you went to college because I always thought that you went to college to study art and photography, but um, but you didn't know you were gonna uh, focus on photography until after your time in in Beijing and the whole time right. in Square. Instead. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you came back to Buffalo, you said, right? Right. I didn't finish my semester. I didn't take the test and anything. So we uh, basically uh, evacuate. I didn't leave Beijing right away because my passport was stuck in um, Chinese uh, immigration because I was going to travel for the summer. Mm. So when I got to the airport, I was, you know, can't leave. I think CNN interviewed me and asked me what happened. I say, I only have a green card, but I don't have my passport in the police station. And then, uh, and then uh, some diplomat from the French embassy gave me a ride to, to the center. And he told me, like, why don't you sleep in their apartment, you know, on their couch for the night? And I did. And then uh, the next day, I thanked them and left. And I uh, got a you know, three-wheel card, you know, roll on it and went through part of Tiananmen Square. It was very surreal and um, mm. got back to my dormitory and uh, with my duffel bag of clothes and stuff. And uh, I didn't leave until I think June 9th or something. I, was, I probably stayed about a week longer until someone from... Uh, the program, mm -hmm. uh, the exchange program, said that I should leave, and and luckily enough, the Japanese embassy evacuated one of their students from the, the school, and I got a ride um, to the airport, and the, and then I got my by then I got my passport uh, back, and that was you know I was not a U.S. citizen yet, I was uh, carrying a, a permit to re-enter. Uh, travel documents like a you know for non-citizen passport hmm. and so but you know I was gonna my my the Japan airline that was the airline and I see have the, the return ticket and they say well we'll make exception for you and you will you know 
and uh, you can stay in Tokyo if you want. And they say, yeah, let's stay a few days to catch up with Japanese friend. So they make exception for me to fly out, even though you know I was not flying out until like July, uh, the end of July or early oh, August. Oh, I see. So you yeah. you cut your stay short because um, because of all you know the massacre and everything that happened. Yeah. Well, the tickets is actually uh, valid until August because uh, it's a one year open ticket back oh, then. Oh, it's an open it's ticket. It's an open ticket. Yeah. So I can just choose my day, but. My flight was out of Hong Kong, not from Beijing. So they make exception for that. Yeah. So you were going to stay in China through the summer to travel within China. Right. But but right. because of what happened. So was it you who decided after, you know, the whole massacre happened that you decided maybe I shouldn't stay so you sh I should leave? Or were you advised to leave? Well, first, everyone was leaving. So mm -hmm. I just kind of like, you know, and they told like, I think the program um, from the U.S. said everyone should leave. And, um, you know, I mean, I mean that morning, uh, okay. So one thing I want to mention is like in June 4th morning, uh, before sunrise, I started to hear noise. Right? The sun was not out yet. And I came out and I saw people were sitting in a lobby there was one girl, um, you know, from the same program. Uh, she's from New York, talking to her parents in tears, you know, on the collect call to her parents in tears. And some people were so frightening. And I saw a few friends who have been to the square and came back. And they say it was smoke everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, things burning. And really, the, and then one of them said they saw people uh, get crushed and so on. and. And she, she said, it's really violent out there. I had no idea. So I took my bag, a few rolls of film, and threw it in there and grabbed a bicycle. And then I went towards the square. As I was going towards the square, you can see the evidence of, you know, um, anger um, and also, you know, by the protester who broke out the sidewalk bricks and stone and threw at the tanks and moving here goes the convoys. And then you can see uh, the military crushing the bicycle totally flat. Yeah, it's flat as the street, you know? So and I keep going on towards the Tiananmen Square and that's many kilometers away. And as I approach that, you can see burning buses and tanks and, you know, and you see soldiers who actually got trapped who are not able to go to the square. And, and, and they were sitting in their uh, truck and some of the tank, some of the uh, uh, soldiers in the tank uh, jump out, you know, from their tank because people were banging on the tank and they were not able to move and probably very scared. I mean, these were like, you know, 19, 20, 20 something uh, kids and, and they were the same age as me, uh, the protester, you know, and uh, probably. And they were pretty scared, I think. Um, so the, it was still going on? It was still going on when you went out there that morning? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there were, you know, and there was one part where the military, the soldier basically just sit back, hold on to their guns and sit in their vehicle. Some of them have been in the tanks and so on because, you know, people were throwing gasoline so on, burn them. Mm -hmm. And it was just road tanks that uh, uh, totally burned. 
Um, and then I saw people uh, took guns and everything threw into the canal, and some people jump into the canal and uh, retreat the guns. And that's really scary part is that you know if someone got under a gun and do something with it, uh, you know. And I saw tank people, you know, people uh, went into the tank. I can't tell who they are, but I doubt it's a student because the student they they don't really know how to drive a tank. But someone who maybe ex-military or someone who knows how to drive a tank. And they took the tank and they draw around a little bit, you know, and that's yeah. kind of scary too. And I continue to go on to the square, and then you start to see fire. So burning. you see all these all these things happening, and you're you're still going, you're still going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this thing going on, and I can hear gunfire far away. Yeah. And I keep going, and then one uh, spot is a little bit clearer, and then I saw a bus, and there was a a dead, I think a dead police was hung on the bus, right? Oh. And he was, he was burned. Uh, he, first, I saw him was burned down on the ground. As I went around to take, uh, to, to, to look around, I saw brain on the ground, so blood stain uh, somewhere else, so probably people get crushed or get shot. Um, and then people were very angry at this lost police and they beat him uh, to death and they burned him. And then they hung him when they came back, you know, they hung him. And then they, I mean, they did a lot of awful things to, to the dead guy. And then I saw a tank came towards my direction. I, I, I was going towards the tanks and a tank was dri driven to check out the, the, the dead body. And I got a lot of freak out and I went, uh, hit the divider and kind of dense my bicycle a little bit. Um, and then I just roll a bicycle away from the tank, you know, as the tank approaching from behind, right? And then when things calm down, I continue to go towards the tank and go around the whole, I can't go into the square, but you can go close enough. And lucky there was a few spots I went, they didn't open fire, they kind of stayed back and they basically had control of it. But then I went to the, the, the east side of the, the square that's when they're still shooting, eh? shoot above people's ground, and then a few people were still throwing stones and stuff like that. And I was pretty close. I mean, I probably know more than 30 meters away, right? So it's pretty close. Um, and, you know, uh, I took a few pictures, but I was basically right in the middle of the road. And then I went to the side because uh, I heard gunshot and stuff like that, and, you know, I continued to go around. I was very curious. I had no idea what the, I was doing. I just continued to see what's going on. I just like, what's going on? And, and I really, at that time, knew that the protest is over. Um, probably a lot of people die because you see a lot of blood stain. I didn't see the dead body piled up. I saw, you know, one police. But I can see blood stain on the ground and sometimes, you know, you can see mark everywhere. Okay, right? so so by the time you got there, a lot of the bodies were already carried away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So should we let's look at some of the pictures that you took? Um, yeah. So if you look at the picture, the one far to the left, that's the beginning. 
that's when they uh, do the morning, you know. And there's a guy who what took note. Yeah, he took note because people would express their um, view and sometimes even talk about certain things that taken place and people would, you know, back then, the student really were poor and they didn't have a mobile phone or didn't have a telephone or anything like that. They live in dormitories. Like basically, there's no other mean of communication except pay phone. And uh, back then, you used fax, right? A telegraph. So people would write notes and so on and then would try to spread a message. And that's how they, they do it. And so people would go and read what's going on on the wall. And that's the monument, the, the People's Hero uh, Monument. You know, and uh, people climb up and they record it. And then I climb up too to see what they were doing. And I snap the pictures. So, mm. And then in the back there is the, the Chinese Communist uh, People History Museum. That's what they call Yeah. So is this is this part of the square or this yeah is, yeah yeah you okay know, all this the is people, part of the square yeah right in the middle of the square matter of fact okay so what's another good photo so uh, and you can see uh, uh, the woman holding the sign and you know she is one of the student supporter you know uh, and the next one yeah next one yeah oh this one yeah. So, okay. you know, and, you know, you, you would have the student marching and people, some people are the bicycle and some people walking and, uh, uh, and you have this woman, uh, you see the picture, uh, the big picture is Joe and Lai. He's like beloved. Uh, I think he's a premier, you know, a prime minister. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the person that they mourning him is that small picture, the Hu Yaba. Oops. Uh, he was the guy that, uh, that that people mourning, and then that's when they started the protest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you go back to the thumbnail, uh, you can uh, all the way to the, uh, you see the lines of the protest on the left next to yeah. the bus one? Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, it's interesting, people, you know, there's thousands and thousands of people, there's no way you can stop these people, you know, and they, they what they do is they would hold each other's hand on both sides, and then people who, uh, you know, mostly women, or female students and so on, they would walk in the middle, and male and female all walk in the middle, so trying to keep people from mixed up, so... That Wait. only the student are, are, are in, in this protest. I yeah. see. Okay, to separate so the, to separate the protesters from like regular pedestrians. Right, anyone out from you know going okay. in there, yeah, and uh, and then they go by the school, right? Uh, each school. Right? So so you start with one school, they march to on the road, and then other school would join in as they march towards Tiananmen Square. So I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a uh, many many kilometers uh, from far away from Beijing University all the way to Tiananmen Square. So you have a uh, Beijing University, People University, Tsinghua University. My school is called Beijing Teacher College. They all merge together and going towards the square, and you know, a lot of people. And then. Um, 
yeah, you can see, uh, you know, um, the second pictures uh, up top, second pictures on left. Yeah. Yeah, you see the whole hand and people in the middle um, with clapping and singing and so on. And, uh, and also, it's interesting, you know, Chinese, when they protest, they always write these lot Chinese characters and slogans and, you, you know, or so on. Thing. Yeah, and a banner, uh, head banner, and um, all big banners they're carrying around. I actually have one of the banners. I took it so into New York. What's written on, on this guy's headband? I can't really see. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, usually it's like, you know, a long live the student, long live democracy, long, you know, anti-corruption. Uh, uh, we want uh, freedom. We want choices, you know. Um, yeah. So those kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, it, uh... What if you is... see in the right for right upper pictures, that's when the uh, you know student um, they back then again uh, they have to write it down and and do uh, uh, what do you call that? I forgot how the, the process where they print you know like in school they print this thing and hand it out when you take the test and so on. Uh, yeah, it's one of those like uh, round things where you turn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is really old school. Well, old school, and that's how what they did. They, 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 it's not even a zero. No, this is this is they pre, didn't have a Xerox machine. This is pre Xerox machine. Yeah, right. I mean, they can't afford the zero the pay for Xerox machine. I mean, that's expensive. The luxury item back in China, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like this uh, round cylindrical drum where you yeah. know it's like um, and they would. And it's alcohol. Yeah, based. they would print them. Yeah, right? it's, and they it's would. Some... Yeah, they printed that, or they have block and so on, and you know, like silk screen or whatever. I mean, they 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 have a process that they did it. They, yeah. There's no way they, they were able to to you know, and they have to print it themselves. And some of them, you know, yeah. they have well, to it, do it themselves. It's it's like one step ahead of the Gutenberg press uh, printing press. <laughs> 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 yeah. So they hand out these leaflets and so on, yeah. you know. And, they, and then you just look at too? the picture. Huh? What? I, I remember, because the ink they use is, is alcohol-based. So I remember when we were kids, we, whenever we get those test papers, we would sniff it, you know. Yeah, it smells nice. <laughs> huh? I get high. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I never knew why, why kids did it. But, yeah. I, you know, all the kids were doing it, so I just did it. I'm like, smells like yeah. alcohol. <laughs> Well, actually, I didn't yeah. know what it was. It just uh, okay. Right. What so else? you see the guy who speak out, speak out. You know, yeah. speak. Uh, he has a some kind of like a portable speaker. You know, and so people can go up and speak, and you know, it can be anyone. No one know who he is really, and he would say whatever he wanted to say, and now, people would stand around and listen. You really, or a normal situation, you can't go out and speak and voice your voice. You get arrested and detained and locked up for, you know, for a year. Even today, if you dare to do that, you know. So um, yeah, I was gonna and, say, and, and, and yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, like, um, I, I'm surprised that that uh, this kind of thing happens. That in a public square, they can actually say things. But you're saying right. it can happen in Tiananmen Square, but any if it's uh, happening anywhere else, then you get arrested. No. 
Okay. No, you can't speak in Tiananmen Square or anywhere. It doesn't matter where. You cannot express your, you know, unless it's uh, ex- it, it approved by the Communist Party. You know, and so how is and this happening? If you speak against them, you you get into trouble. It doesn't matter where you at speak at. Yeah. Right. So that even that, online, if you do it online nowadays, they, they shut they can, you down. Well, shut you down. You're lucky, but they arrest you and then put you in prison. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They find I mean, you. They they hunt you down. They shut you down. The well, first they shut yeah, you down, and, then they find you. Yeah, and your life miserable, not just to you, but also to your family, yeah. your extended family. I mean, they really so go I'm, after I'm, you. I'm curious. That, so, how is this happening? Is it is it because it was back in the '80s, and so it was just sort of the climate I, at the time? Right. I think there was, you know, the, this guy uh, after Mao died. And then you have the gangs of all took over, and they were pretty, they were worse than Mao. But then Deng Xiaoping, he came to power. That's when he started normalizing relations with many countries. And his idea was like, they need to improve people's living, you know. Uh, democracy will come later, you know, and it's open up little by little. You know, as people have more to eat, there's other things that will come along. and as a process, progress, you know. Um, yeah, and he wanted to, I think, I, I don't know if I quote it right, but he, he say something like, it doesn't matter as a black cat or white cat, as long as you can catch a mouse, you know. Uh, it's kind of interesting, you know. So he really didn't care, you know, uh, what, as long as, life can improve for the people and there's a certain agenda that he needs to push and one of the thing is open up the country to foreign investment joint ventures and so on you know and yeah and you know when you have a country open up the and when you get towards the capitalism you know for my economy is totally centralized and control to towards a, a market economy, corruption has come along, and you know people get left behind and so on. Um, and there were a lot of corruption, you know. So people were were upset, were very angry, you know. Yeah. So this is the is this the the policeman that you were saying that yeah. he was killed yeah. and, and yeah. burnt and hanged. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, they you know, I mean, uh, oh, because he was burnt. No, he was burned. His clothes totally burned off. His clothes were burnt off or they stripped him and then they burnt him? No, I think they burned it off. Yeah. Okay. They burned, you know, uh, through his clothes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it looks like he might have been hanged first. No, I think he was beaten, killed, and... The question whether or not he he was dead or not, but they burned him. Um, no, it looks like he was hanged and then burnt. No, no, no. There's another picture I have. It, they he was on the ground with his clothes and they burned him. Um, and then uh, I don't have it in here because uh, this is like the picture. And then they they burned him and then they hung him. Yeah. So I think uh, we kind of jump back and forth. Uh, so anyway, you can see some of the pictures. Uh, uh, you know, um, yeah. 
um, that's the morning of June 4 when, as I was coming in, you know. Yeah. And you can see uh, uh, the one uh, with the soldier looking out. That's on June 3rd. That's the evening. That's the soldier that they were smuggling in. Um, and they got trapped because all around it, surrounded by, you know, student supporters and students. Um, and, and they were not able to go. But earlier, before that, there was some violence happening. Uh, a few commanders got attacked and it was really bloody. And, uh, and then that evening, that's when the tanks, the military sent more troops with tanks and convoys and so on with guns and uh, live shooting happened that after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. And then as they come in, you can see the, the picture burning, you know. Uh, yeah, this is the, like the first picture I took of the tank crushing the uh, bicycle and so on. I mean, literally flat. And then, you know, I don't remember behind that there were a crowd looking at it. And, you know, there's so many things going on. So I, I snap the pictures and, and move on. Yeah. And you can see, uh, uh, you know, the, the smoke, right? And there was just, you know, so many uh, spectators and yeah. And, you know, people abandoned a bicycle. Right? Some people may get crushed, you know, with the bicycle. Uh, you see convoys of tanks get burned. Um, oh, here. So I, I, you know, this is actually very dangerous. Now, this is the very the beginning, the beginning of protest with the one you just clicked with the line of the police holding their arm. Um, go back. Uh, yeah, that's the beginning, and you see the burning tank. That's the end of the protest, right? Mm. So that's a big difference, right? These 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 police had no guns or anything. They just hands, you know. And and here you have tank with machine gun on top, you know, and actually it was very dangerous because uh, live ammunition was in there, and you know when I went, somebody would pop out, you know, and then it was shooting different direction, and you can hear the explosion and so on in the tank. Yeah. That's a hunger strike, yeah. Oh, That's this is a hunger strike. Right, yeah. So in the middle of May, and, you know, you can see uh, the volunteer um, and, uh, you know, the Chinese uh, local Red Cross and help out this guy who probably didn't eat. And they didn't even drink some of them. And, uh, you know, they collapsed. Um, and you can see the couple in the back, you know, uh, supporter of the student, and they were very curious. And you can see that uh, camera, right? So people went there. I mean, you know, when people heard about hunger strike, and in China, hunger strike is something um, shocking for people because people were starving to death. You know, so many people die of hunger, and why would you want to starve yourself? You know, going a hunger strike. <clears throat> and the student basically, you know, found that that's probably maybe effective way to send a message. And it did. It draw a lot of people to go to the square and support them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and you can see a banner, poster, um, 
you know, um, people in the speak in the crowd. I got as far as high as I can and snap the pictures, you know. Uh, you see the girl on the speaker, she was in tears telling people like, you know, awful things going to happen. Yeah. And, and she was crying. Yeah. So some of these photos are days leading up to, and some of them are from the morning of. Right, right, yeah. And then you can see the one on the traffic, uh, the, yeah, the one on the right, the traffic is this, the round traffic, upper right. Oh, this. Yeah. Now you see the Chinese character was painted with blood. They mm. took the blood from the people who got shot and they, they wrote the calligraphy. I don't know what to say there. My Chinese are no longer uh, yeah. not good anymore. <laughs> but basically, you know, um, it's a slogan against the the military for coming in. Yeah, doesn't get any bigger than that. Yeah, you mm. say fuck it. Yeah, Can you see it? yeah, they, 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 yeah, they took the the blood and and they, 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 they wrote on it, you know, yeah. Well, um, well, you can see some of the characters. Yeah. I, I I can't I can't read Chinese character. I only need to know a few. I can see the peoples and so on, and yeah. Hmm. Okay, so so anyway, so going back to your sort of evolution as a as an artist, uh, so in the beginning you were studying all different kinds of art, but after this, your time in China, in Beijing, and especially after these protests, you decided to become a photographer. Right, doing photography, yeah, mm -hmm. and but I wasn't thinking about doing photography as a way to make a living <clears throat> yeah um i wasn't wasn't sure how i'm gonna make money i certainly don't want didn't want to be a uh after doing the, the after i did this project first i don't want to be a journalist um you know because mm. i have to work for a company i want to be independent but also i don't want to be you know a wedding photographer you know ridiculous yeah, yeah. and so commercial photography. so you know i just like i don't know i just go and find a job and yeah when i finished i got the first job as a assistant manager turn manager within a week or two weeks right uh and a photo lab one hour photo lab oh yeah <clears throat> yeah so the it's the company called Fromax. yeah one hour photo and that's last me only a few months and I was just like that's not really something I want to do I have to manage people and I can't even manage myself how am I going to manage other people you know so I left and I worked for a software company and you know I did some photo for for the software calligraphy software company I did that for about a year and then I pack up and went on a long 
13 month travel to back to Cambodia, you know, in search of my soul. Oh yeah. So is, I think, is that the, so out, um, aside from your, your doing your, um, uh, was it two semester or a year in China? Uh, your, uh, a year. Yeah. A year in year China. Yeah. So aside from that, so this is the first time you decide to go traveling. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I decided to traveling and, but I decided to go to Cambodia where I, uh, was born, where I left. And when I left, it was a different situation. Uh, we yeah. had to, we fled Cambodia. Yeah, from this is being back in the captive. 70s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, 1981 is when we, yeah, uh, left. And, oh, uh, it was 81. Well, 79. Uh, after the Khmer Rouge, we went to Vietnam, and then, and, and then in Vietnam, we left Vietnam in the 80s. Uh, late 80s or so. We lived in Vietnam for about a year, 80. That's why we fled Cambodia. Well, we were Vietnam, went to Cambodia, from Cambodia, went across into Thailand. So 1981, we went to the U.S. by like April. So I guess this April, we'd be uh, 40 years. Mm. Uh, we fled, wait a minute, 40 years? Yeah, yeah 40, 40 years. years. Yep. Yeah, 81 to... Uh, 2021, 40 years. So we fled uh, Cambodia 40 years in April. That hmm. means I've been here 45 years. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year it will be 45 years. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. My, my family so, came five years before yours. Yeah. Yeah. So, so okay, so you went traveling in Cambodia for 13 So months. I went back, I went mm -hmm. back to Cambodia, thought that, you know, f because yeah, I was into the identity stuff and, you know, all those PC stuff that happening uh, in the 80s when I was in school and learning about, um, you know, Roots and stuff like that, oh, personal okay. identities and stuff like that. I guess I wasn't so, really into any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I think you'd be odd in that time. Yeah. If you're a woman, you talk about uh, feminism and no, so on. And I, I was never into PC stuff. Right, but in the art school, you know, and people study, you know, histories and stuff like that. I think a lot of people get. Uh, swept into that direction mm. and so yeah and when I was in Buffalo I already started uh, meeting some Cambodian family we just came in New York there was some Cambodian I never I you know I didn't meet anyone there was a few Chinese Cambodian that I was in touch but in Buffalo I started to meet a few family and I wow it's just start to learn about their background and stuff. And that, that's a reflection on my own background. And I think one re reason I took photography is that we had no picture of ourselves. You know, we fled Cambodia. We had no pictures of anything from my childhood or anything. And I think like a lot of people, you know, like yourselves and, you know, other friends and so on that I know, um, yeah, we'll talk about childhood, but they have pictures to shows and, you know, talk about there was something missing, you know? So I think I, that's why I begin to take pictures, you know, uh, as a way of 
of remember remembering the past, even though I can't go back, you know, to my childhood. But I begin to snap picture, and I took a snapshot here and started with a tiny one ten camera, and then to a sure shot, which is a you know a Canon sure shot. You just press the buttons, every picture is perfect. And then I bought a first camera, Canon A one. Uh, is that your stolen. first? Yeah. Oh, is is that your first SLR? Yeah, Can, I got yeah. stolen in my uh, music yeah. class, and and then I bought a, a Canon F one, and I use it for until nineteen ninety four. I got stolen by my students. So anyway, I gone through a lot of cameras over the years. Yeah. Um, no, but but you went through a lot of cameras. It but it seems like you only go through you only went through a lot of cameras only because every one of them got stolen. Got stolen. That's right. Like. It was not broken. It was stolen. And 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 and. and but I, you know, I the only uh, back then I did not try to buy a new camera. I tried to use the camera that I had, and and basically, you know, I just believe in a basic uh you know uh, basic photography didn't trying to be uh beat you know the technology or anything uh, trying to use certain technology like people move into digital i was still snapping film you know mm. um but i you know there's some advantage and some disadvantage of it yeah um i mean beyond besides a lot of money to use digital in the nineties, uh, you know. So um, wait, you said you said you're saying in the nineties it was more expensive to go digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some digital. Um, uh, oh, because the the camera itself was more. Yeah, expensive. well, the memory is very okay. expensive. The camera expensive, but the memory even worse, right? I mean, can you imagine? Uh, you know, I bought a well, computer. back then, I yeah, think well, now. Yeah, I bought a computer uh, in nineteen ninety one. It cost three thousand dollar, and it was only what? It's not even. Uh, it's like fifty megabyte or something. I don't know. Yeah, very it's low. Funny. I was paid three thousand dollar. Now what? Three thousand dollar, you can buy a zillion gigabytes, right? You can buy a lot of gigs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, terabytes. Yeah. Yeah, probably. yeah. So, but you know, um, photography changed, but the basic idea is still the same you know you still have to deal with lightings and you know subject matters and you know all those things it's 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 just technical you know and i think the question is whether your creativity uh advance you uh, because of technology or is it the subject matter you know so so uh yeah no one know I mean I, I don't know which one come first but so what was it for people, you though what was it for you for me it's something that I'm curious some places that um, that I go that I think people have not explored or if they have explored maybe I would like to do it differently you know uh, so for me I was interested in uh, story uh history um and maybe i kind of don't and also because of travel it make it easier to do my work 
And that's why I kind of abandoned the uh, experimental photographies and so on and studio mm -hmm. photography. You know, um, when I was in college study, I, you know, I used the uh, uh, view camera, 4x5, 8x10, and even used videos and so on and experimenting, you know, slide projections and so on. But when I travel, just, you know, it's too much to deal with. And I only carry two, two or three lenses, right? A wide angle, uh, a normal lens, and one zoom lens. And I rarely use wide angle or zoom lens. I use normal lens because I want to get closer and then as normal as I can. I was very stubborn in that sense, you know? So I didn't try to tilt the angle and distorted the images or something like that. Uh, and I think, so if you look at those images that I've taken, they're very formal, you know? Mm. Um, I was interested well, in the, the, the subject, the, the context, you know, rather than, you know, playing around with the uh, camera. So you have, so 1994, you have pictures of the killing fields. Right. So, yeah, I went there to Cambodia in 1992 to 93. I did a series of projects on children, people when I left as my age. And then I did some picture of UN supervised election. Um, but then I went back and I saw some caves and so on. I, this is like one images where I put a mirror yeah. uh, among this skull and it does not exist and it's not there anymore. They kind of collect it and put it into a, something else. I'm not too sure what they did with the skull, but I don't think it's there anymore. So as a reflection of myself, like I could have been one of those people, right? As like a survivor. And I took one of the skull and put it in my, uh, my uh, leg and hold onto it. And these skulls, the people who actually got killed uh, were most, I think, they're innocent. But, you know, conspiracy, whatever the Khmerers did, they take the people to a, it's kind of a small little mountain with the cave. And there would be a hole. Uh, and they would knock the person down and fall into the hole into the cave. And the body would be piled up. And they just keep doing it one body after another. And on the far right, uh, it's a high school turned into a prison where they torture and they took people away to the suburb or outside of the city, Phnom Penh, and they execute them. And they don't shoot them, they just club on their head, and, you know. Um, and then, so these, you know, I use a mural, I use a broken these, mural. Yeah. So all of these people were dead? I mean, they were yeah. killed. Yeah, the most, I almost all of them were executed. Yeah. A few survived, yeah, but most of them uh, were executed. And um, so I, you know, um, I was forced into work and so on. But anyway, and it's kind of a reflection of my, you know, years in Cambodia as a survivor, and and I went back to to see what was happening Ch tracing back my route right um 
I remember um, seeing an exhibit. Um, I think maybe it was a gallery in Chinatown or something. It was after this. You came back and you did an exhibit. And um, I don't remember these photos, but I remember photos of the ground. And I think it was the uh, actual I... killing fields. But you took pictures of the ground now, I mean, or then. This is years a years after, um, you know, the right. killings that right. happened. So, right. Yeah, I, you know, um, there were, there's so many projects I wish I've done it. And, you know, um, there were field where they kill people and threw people's body in mm. and, you know, and they would look like a, a pawn or something like that, you know. So I think one project led me to the next project, you know. So I went there to trace the route, see the UN supervised election, and also a photograph. And then I came along, and there were so many people get injured by landmine. That's when I started to document uh, people who injured by landmine. And then you start to learn about landmine issues in Cambodia. You know, I, you know uh, one of the, the miners claimed that uh, as many as 10 million people, mm. um, uh, I'm, not 10, as, I'm not sorry, as many as 10 million landmines yeah. scattering around in Cambodia. So and Cambodia the... has like, Cambodia has about 9 million people. There's an, yeah. like a million, a million extra for tourists or any visitor, you know. <laughs> So uh, is that the one landmine for everyone? So is that the uh, bombshells to cowbells series? No, no, that's no. Else? That's 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 the next project. So so I went back specifically, and I got a, a grant to do a project on landmine. So I did that. Uh, so I went over the country. I even stayed with the landmine victim. Sometime, you know, I was like more of a information officer uh indirectly so i would go around and people um you know they have they didn't have uh, uh they had, you know they have lost one leg we step on landmine they tell me the story and so on and then i would explain to them that they can get a free landmine as i'm not sorry get free landmine get a free limb a free artificial limb right um and and they can go and get one but they have to get to the center you know and to get to the center they have to go through the road and they only have one leg but you know some of these people you know they didn't give up they they, they can go on a bicycle with one leg just paddle one leg and some people were able to carve wood and they make a artificial wooden leg in themselves you know mm. so they can actually go on a bicycle it may take them a long time and I say, like, listen, if you can make yourself there, you can get a free uh, artificial, you know, uh, provided by the International Red Cross, some uh, NGO, uh, you know, like one of them was well-known, Handicap International. Mm. And so I would provide them information. And then guess what? When I went to visit the center, I found these people. They made it there. And they were really laughing, smiling, and they thanked me for letting them know, you know. And sometimes I went to the village, and I would go back to the village, and I, you know, saw that they had uh, artificial limb uh, walking. Uh, it's easier for them to walk and so on, you know. 
I, it's a very, you know, um, interesting and uh, project. And I think sometimes photography projects like that, it's not about photography anymore. It's about experience. Mm. And and I think that's why I never get into selling pictures and even do exhibition. You know, I really more interested in the project, doing it travel, doing it, and then get to know, uh, especially the subject and the people um, by photographing. So, so because of, I did... Huh? Well, well, yeah, um, that's a very interesting point. So um, at some point you're saying that it, it really no longer became about the photographs, but about the experience of mm. um, getting to know your subjects um, and the subject matter. And so... But still, you're a photographer, you're an artist. And so right. how do you capture that experience onto something that other people can also share that experience? Right. So if people who do project and really into the photo, photo, um, they would wrap up very quickly. They wouldn't be going back again and again, you know. And then they would uh, spend a lot of things on technical and they would make it beautiful and make it, you know, sellable, uh, and 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 really, you know, uh, uh, very nice, so that is, you know, people want to buy them. Um, I like the Tiananmen Square picture or this project and landmine or the children and so on. I didn't try to be make it beautiful, you know. There's some picture beautiful and some picture not. Um, I didn't try to, you know, if you, if you take picture in your mind thinking like, this is the picture I can become famous or, um, I can sell this picture and make a lot of money. Yeah. I can make money. It was none of this in my head. I think, you know, somehow I was lost in the projects, right? I was lost, um, uh, searching for something and and I guess because oh so many years I have lost you know growing up um, I it, it made me want to know other people yeah and 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 some of them you know sad some of them very compelling interesting and kind of like make me want to go back and, you know, and then when you go back, people are so happy to see you, you know, that, and then I think that's another thing. It's like a lot of people who do photography, they go like journalists, they go and they, they don't go back. Right? Most of them don't go back. Yeah. And, and for the Very few that go back and, and, and they snap the pictures or they write the story and that was it. I mean, I don't know how many people told me, like this guy took picture, that person took a picture. But when I went back and sometime I brought back pictures and gave it to them, you know, they were so happy. And and and, and that's you know, it's nice to see their reaction also. Yeah. Yeah. And also I, I told them, you know, what they can do, you know. They they, they can get the artificial lamps and stuff like that and many of them learn about it and they spread word to other people which I can get to them um, they didn't know about and then more people go and get their artificial and and then at the same time I learn you know about landmine 
right? Landmine, the whole idea is like a booby trap. The intention is not to kill people, but the intention is to inflict uh, injury mm. to a soldier and causing other soldiers to have to take care of this one soldier. So if you have one, if a yes. person injured, you need two people to carry the person. It may be three people or four people. And, and, and then so kind of like weaken your troop. Uh, and the other thing is, um, you know, landmine in Cambodia and some other country involved in civil war, it's not about military target anymore. It's that mm -hmm. you are not on my side, you're my enemy. It, it doesn't matter. You live on that side, the land might be laid everywhere. And the, also another thing is that landmine, according to, you know, conventional war, you have map, you plan it on a map. But in Cambodia, you have boxes and boxes and, you know, landmine. They just take it and say, I'm going to put it over here and put it there. And even the soldier who laid the landmine forgot where they laid the landmine. They wind up stepping on their own landmine, you know? That's right. So it happened, you heard a lot of story. And then you have, you know, an, an area get invaded and, you know, battled, you know, fought. And one side took over, the other side laid the landmine. And then the other side fought and kicked the other side out. And the other side uh, kind of laid the landmine ahead, but then, you know, they wind up, you know, some of the soldiers step on the landmine of the defeated uh, force. And then the civilian come in to claim their house and stuff like that. And then landmine lay in their yard or the, the road or the trail or wherever. I mean, some of them are very tragic, you know, like mm. um, there was one boy, you know, I, I, I took a picture of him in the hospital. And I've been to the area that you got injured. He, he looked after his cattle, you know, his family cattle. And he walked over and he stepped on a landmine, lost uh, one leg. Um, you know, he fell down. Um, and his father saw it, went to his rescue. He stepped on another landmine, lost mm. another leg, basically lost a pair of legs. Wow. And, and they wind up in the hospital right next to each other, you know, um, and it was really sad, you know, you see the father and son next to each other. And so, you, if you basically one left leg, one right leg. Um, and then you, you hear a story like this. And then you have women who go collecting woods and so on and picking uh, wire plants and so on, you know, to cook and so on. And they wind up stepping landmine. Mm. And landmine, you know, you have different season, right? Rainy season, dry season. So, uh, right, dry season, the soil is very hot, right? So, if you're planting in a rainy season, right, it's in the water, so it can sink down, right? And so, if you mm. step on it, it will go off. If the soil is not very deep, then you step and it'll go off. But when it dry, the, the soil will be very hot. So you step on it, it may not go off, right? Oh. So it may not go off, but then people forgot about it when the rainy season come, right? And people walk that dry spot for many times and you can see the trail. But then one time rain, the, the soil gets softened like mud, right? And 
people walk again and then they step on that same landmine that maybe planned a year ago wow. and blow their leg off, you know? And I heard story of that, that happened. So, yeah. Yeah, so the landmines, um, I mean, it seems very senseless. Um, yes, know. it banned internationally, but except major power, China, US, Soviet Union or Russia did not sign into this. Yeah. Many major countries produce this and they still did not want to ban landmark. Um, so there's a, there's an international agreement to ban landmines except US, Russia and China? The major and many a few other countries also. The, so basically, yeah. the major uh, military producer, powers. yeah, military power, yeah, and right. and, and there's a but there's but a, wait, but do we do we do we use landmines still, or they just didn't agree to ban it? Are landmines? Um, I think landmines still being used. I mean, still it's still used? in production. It's still used. I mean, um, you know, I I I think nowadays. Um, probably not as much as the, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't know the, the, the mm. story, but basically many of the country refuse to sign it, like the US, you know, China and so on. It's because, you know, they fear of a conventional war and they may have to use them. Mm. But now it's, 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 it's not just, land, now it's not just landmine, like cloister bomb that a lot of countries are using it nowadays. You know, you use the Iraq war, cluster bomb, yeah. Cluster so bomb cluster or bomb cloister bomb? Is, it, uh, cluster bomb. It's, it's a bomblet, right? It's, it's a, like a hand grenade put into, it looked like a, a, a big um, bomb or missile, right? It's the same shape, except inside is empty, but loaded with these this uh, hand grenade size bomb. And it's, it basically, you know, you had dropped from the air, right? From whatever fighter jet or plane and so on. And it would, at mid air would pop open. And then it would spread out, you know, um, a radiant of the area and it would go off, mm. you know? depend on which one come down first, yeah? And sometimes it can go off at the same time. But the danger of that is that a lot of them fail, right? The fact that we okay. claim that maybe 10%, and, but they claim that as many as 30%, and sometimes the whole uh, uh, bomb loaded with like a few hundreds, uh, these cluster bomb didn't go off and land in the field. So anyway, from landmine, I went as I was photographing and then researching and so on, then I started to realize about bomb US shells. bombing, bombshells and stuff like that. And then I learned about the Ho Chi Minh trails and so on. And I started to become more curious. And then I, and because I went there in 92 and I went to the area where there was a lot of bomb being dropped and I took some of the, you know, uh, bomb pond or bomb um, crate, yeah. And so I, 
I think 96, uh, I had choices to go to, you know, Yangtze River is going to be flooded. And again, I was interested in the histories and a lot of historical stuff is going to be flooded. And I was like, oh, maybe I should document them before they flood it, you know? Mm. But then I realized that it's really uh, difficult for visas to stay there a long time. And also it's expensive, the money-wise. And, you know, I have to be there for a long time. And so I said, well, there's another project I can do. Um, I can go to Cambodia or go down south to Los Angeles, to Mexico and South America. But I decided to go to Cambodia first and then from Cambodia use as a base and then I would go to Laos, to Cambodia Northeast part, and then to Laos, follow the Ho Chi Minh Trail. And I had no idea, you know, I mean, I watched the film and read about it, about bombing, about, you know, how the North Vietnamese using uh, Laos and Cambodia as a sanctuary, as a, you know, convoys of uh, troops and supplies and ammunition to supply the Vietnamese, uh, North Vietnamese and Viet Cong and so on um, in the South, you know, Mm -hmm. to attack U.S. forces in the South Vietnamese. Um, So as I travel on that route. In Cambodia, I didn't find a whole lot. But once I got into Laos, and it's really hard to get a visa, you know, you had to, you know, to go through a whole process, pretty corrupted, you know. Mm. And, um, so I got one month visa, and I would go to Laos, and sometimes you can get transportation, like one bus a day, go up from this section to that section, right? And if you don't have the bus and, you know, then you can't really go. So one of the trip was like, I waiting for the bus and they say, well, there's a bus, but we can't go. And uh, I was like, why we can't go? And they say, well, um, there's a uh, incident or, you know, there's someone got shot and killed by bandits. So it's dangerous for anyone to go. And um, I was like, oh, okay. And uh, then I had to buy a ticket, you know, to fly uh, to get to the town that I wanted to go. And then that time, you know, Laos was not well traveled. I mean, it's very, you know, isolated, this is quiet. In the 90s, early 90s, yeah. Yeah, like 96, you know. Oh, and late, uh, late 96. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, I mean, very, very quiet i mean there's there's really i mean you know from a, a city a capital of Vientiane to a place called a tourist town now is really a major tourist town back then it was like a, just a, a town i don't think it was a tourist town um to get there it it's you know long Pabang is a, a formal monarchy um you know palace and Mm. temples and so on and it's a beautiful area it's quiet you know so to get from Mianqian to Luang Prabang um, you have to take a bus and there's only one bus a day mm. right and you and then that bus will 
you know, luckily it will not break down, but go, you know, up and down and twist and turn the mountain. They allow most of the land is like actually mountains, you know, yeah. it's like it's, uh, yeah, and you go up and down and twist and turn and, and then by the time you get to Lom uh, it'd be so- like, morning to night and if the bus break down you'd be sleeping in a you know on the yeah. road or somewhere um i don't so, know but if we can't uh, yeah i don't know if it's there but there's i've seen some pictures of bus routes that uh go around like the sides of the mountains and it's very narrow road along the cliff side of a mountain well, the road- no guardrail or anything yeah right it's very the scary. road now is really good. Yeah. But back then, some yeah. of the road was broken. Something get washed out. Very bumpy. I mean, it it took a whole day to to to, to get there, you know. But uh, the first time I went, I didn't get to get them on the bus. I mean, later on, I I took the bus, you know. But I went there. I flew in uh, to Long Phabang and on this like a, uh, you know, propeller and you know very rough taking off and landing and yeah you know yeah pay you had to pay like you know yeah lots to fly over i had to do it yeah i had to go and it's beautiful i mean when there there's only two guest house yeah i mean i probably see a handful of foreigner if, if there are really that many and you go around and people are very curious about you and you know and so on and i ate food on the street it was cheap you know and it was very good i mean it was very nice i mean i i you know i went back a few times and never wanted to go back because i just wonder you know preserve my memory and and <laughs> and, and, and from that time you know i can't imagine what it looked like now you know it's probably so, very commercial now yeah yeah and then from there i went to uh towards the ho chi minh trail area and start to uh, you know, to an area called San Quang and so on, and then where the Hmong people, and I took some picture, really like amazing, like you know, like bombshell, bomb crater. Um, you see people turn into a tourist souvenirs, and people turn into a barbecue uh, stand. And, okay, people you know, turning the bombshells into uh, everyday usage. Yeah. So is this yeah. the bombshells into bombshells into uh, cowbells? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so that's let's, when let's that's, look at that. that's uh that's when I uh, start to yeah. So you know, Merry Christmas, right? I mean, that's a cluster bomb there. That's a shell right there, and those are a bomb shooting from you know those yellow thing. Those are the, uh, also bomb shooting from uh, helicopters. You know, if you see some of the. Vietnam War era helicopter firing down. That's the one, and the so, shell there is the cloister bomb shell. So this is a cannon. Is this a cannon or is it a bomb? No, shell? it's a it's a bomb shell. It's a bomb shell. It's, so what are these it's little? It's like one of those B fifty two. Those are those are also uh, it's like a it's a bomb. It's a missile kind of shooting from a helicopter. So you fire from the helicopter from a tube. This, the, the different, yeah. yeah. Okay. So Those the little thing is not in there. The cluster bomb is around by a hand grenade. Yeah. So what are these yellow things that are hanging off the bombshells? They they also bomb. Yeah. They, these they, are also you bombs. fire from uh yeah. But you have the tail. You see the tail. They, they spin. Yeah. And they when you fire it would uh, from the helicopter, you you know shoot like a few at a time. 
Yeah. Okay. So it's not the like people these, here. They, so it's not uh, like these little yellow things are in the. They're no, not. No, they don't no, go no. in the bombshell. The uh, there are different kinds of bombs. Right. The bombshell. Okay. Uh, what's in the bombshell is the the same almost look like hand grenade. It's about the same size, except it has this little propeller, round propeller, all look like they well together. I don't know how they create it, but when it explodes, these little pieces of round thing, like a bicycle, uh, you know, those are little round, small little thing. Uh, it's about the same. Uh, um, it's a little small ball, you know, yeah. like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Japanese, they play those uh, uh, pachinko or whatever that machine and then this little ball dropping down. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen those? No. Anyway, it's yeah, a little tiny either. ball and they, they basically look like they well together though they some kind of they form it together in the factory i don't know how they do it but when they explode this little ball will flying over the place yeah okay. if you hit if you hit by this little ball metal ball uh if you hit your eye you'll totally go through your eye and and, and blind you yeah, yeah? so they're like little you. pellets yeah pellet exactly the word is pellet yeah it's a it's a, the whole hand the hand grenade is a piece of solid metal. When it explodes, it breaks into pieces, mm -hmm. right? But they're small pieces and uh, uh, big pieces. But this cloister bomb is basically round pellet. Yeah, it's packed with pellets there. So when it explain, uh, when it it's explodes, it's not packed. It's, it's a whole thing. The whole round thing. The whole it's, round thing it, are pellets that are bonded together. Into a round shape. Into a yeah. round shape. And, so when it explodes, right. these individual pellets then go, fly out in all directions. All of the yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very vicious uh, weapon. And I think it's still used today. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so people make into cowbell, like uh, that's the RPG, you know, and that is the napalm. One of those uh, shape in different size. They would this fire is a from napalm, the, uh... napalm bomb. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so in this picture, yeah, I, I I realize now as we're talking, I just realized like um, some of the audience members will be listening on audio only. So I'm gonna have to, uh, I'll have to talk to you afterwards to see if we could share some of these photos. That people can access um but anyway uh so yeah so in this photo there are three different size bombshells that are basically lining up on the side of their house and there are two kids sitting on top of one of them and um so it, it almost looked like they're they're using it as like decoration or something Right. Well, in, in this case, uh, it, it is a decoration, but also as a seating. Yeah. So yeah. As people, benches. Uh, go there. And for children, that's a, you know, a playground. Yeah. Do they so, know? Do the children know what it is? Oh, they know. They know what it is. Yeah. yeah. 
And a matter of fact, uh, um, they 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 use it to 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 play some some of the things. But also, some of the kids didn't realize the danger. Um, you know, um, the younger one, um, the older one, they kind of over the year they learn that these kind of stuff you shouldn't touch. So yeah. there are people, uh, children will pick up their cholesterol bomb and they drop it. And cholesterol bomb, you know, when they drop, if they don't, if they don't go off, it's like a, it become like a landmine or, 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 you know, waiting for anyone to rotate it mm-hmm. or in someone to pick up and drop, it will go off. Yeah, and so that's I what happened. Happen is that uh, some children would see this uh, cholesterol bomb and look at this beautiful piece of metal round. They like think a ball, it's a toy. You know? Yeah. They think it's a toy. So they pick it up and sometimes yeah. they throw it and it go off. And sometimes when they pick it up and they drop it in front of them, it can go off. So one thing that when I walk on the whole gym trail is that not kicking things, right? And it's not to drag my leg, but to try to lift when I walk, trying to lift it and walk on top, mm. right? Uh, if I don't see anything, uh, if there's too many leaps and so on, I make sure that I don't, you know, step on things that may go off. So so if you kick it or causing rotation, it can go off. Yeah, and I think a lot of people die because of that. So here's a picture where it looks like they're using um, bombshell casings as planters. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is, and and um, so I I was I went early on, and this street, this road, you see no car or anything, right? You see a bicycle or two over there, and you know, and that that road is hardly, you know, uh, normal road, and so people plan using it as a planter, you use it as a fence, you know. Some people store water as a drinking water, you know, so they put tubes and so on and, you know, uh, store rainwater. Some people use as a feeder. You can see there's a fence, you know. Here's a, yeah, here's a picture of a... Yeah, yeah, a pagoda fence, you know. Um, shell casing is being used as Yeah, fence. this is a cloister bomb, yeah. So, and... I just go around and see things and I start to snap pictures and... Most of these casing, most of the thing you see no longer exists. I think they probably turn into Toyota or Honda or you know, yeah, or, or any kinds of a metal that they can sell. You know, and, I mean, and, if I saw this as I was traveling, then I would not know that this was these were bomb casings. Right, right, and yeah. and yeah, I I had no idea, but. When I saw it and I asked people and they, they told me, yeah, 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 it's a, it's a bomb cases. And then I, you know, then I started to learn more about it, you know, and they turn into a lamb. See the guy without the shirt there? Yes, there's a lamb. That's a feeder, right? Uh, a tr- uh, yeah, a trough. A trough. Yeah. Um, so and that they also can uh, store rainwater, um, you know, feed. In this case, the water buffalo, but pigs and um, chicken and so on. And then they use it as a bridge, you know. <laughs> mm. So, you know, there are plenty, so many bombs dropped, you know. There's so many, I mean, there was millions of tons or, or something like that. 
And they make into a cooking pot, you see. And uh, that's a B fifty two. They write, they wrote down uh, O S A, but I think they mean U S A. This one. And they, this is for, this is a like artillery, uh, um, um, artillery uh, 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 shell, yeah. And they use it to pump air, to do metalsmith, yeah. Is this the one that you're talking about? This is the cooking. Yeah, thing? this is a cooking. Yeah, cooking pot. Uh, cooking pot. Yeah, and yeah, that's just metal. And then you see the chair there, the revolving chair. Yeah, I mean somehow they figured out use this bombshell and then turn into this chair and it actually you can turn it, it go around you know mm. you can spin yourself on this yeah looks like the entire chair may be out of made out of the metal yeah yeah i don't yeah, yeah yeah and they make into knives a spoon and fork and so on yeah you know there's a knife um yeah there's a knife and it makes you a steel house Right, souvenir, and you can see, uh, yeah. Is this a elevated house? Yeah, Hot. yeah, it's a steel house because people in that area, they don't live on the ground because yeah. cows and animal and snake and so on can get into your house. So if they build it high up, it will be more safer for them. And also flooding and so on, you know. Yeah, I always thought it was flooding uh, during rainy yeah. season because you know, yeah. yeah. So, so this is like a like a almost like a, a wood and grass kind of hut house that's yeah. been elevated on top of uh, bombshell casings. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know it's metal. It's sturdy. <laughs> um, well, I think most of these metal are being sold. You can see on the right. Oh, this the is bucket, the cowbell. Right? The cowbell. Okay. But the one next to the cowbell is a bucket, right? No. Oh. Um, well, they, that, oh, that, that canoe they make into a, 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 from the bombshell, so the whole entire canoe. But anyway, this bucket. Uh, yeah, so the canoe, you know, um, I was on a canoe going to some places, and it's amazing. You can see the, the handle that connected to the fighter jet, right? And they release that. That's when the bomb dropped down, right? You can see that two pieces on the right side, uh, on the right and the left. Yeah, and then you can see a little dot along on both sides. That's yeah. That's how they hmm. they 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 connected together. Yeah. But uh, go to the bucket. Here you see the bucket. You see the label warning label. You know everything in the U.S. that make is had the warning. <laughs> so you 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 safety and so on. Warning and, labels on and, a yeah, bombshell and still casing. there. Yeah. So you know you you. People turn into this thing, you know. Um, they have to live, move on and live. <laughs> so, I think the most dangerous. Well, well, maybe. Uh, but 
one dangerous <clears> aspect <throat> of it is, you know, here in this picture where the children are sitting on top of um, bombshell casings. I mean, mm. obviously, these are inert, right? They're inactive, right. so right. it's not right. dangerous. But then because they use it on an you know everyday basis as household items and stuff, so when they do see an active bomb that hasn't exploded, they think it might be a toy or something that's safe, but it's not. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah that... Um, I mean, otherwise... It, Otherwise, it seems like a kind of an interesting recycling story. You know? Yeah, well, you look at the recycling right next to the buffalo. There's a scale. That's what they wait. They <laughs> wait to sell it, you know, there's scrap huh? metals and, you know, all kinds of scrap metals. Not just the bomb, but, you know, vehicle, tanks and, you know, anything they can use it to, uh, to uh, you know. Metal Smith. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think you know, like I said, probably wind up uh, Toyotas or Honda or any of these, yeah, thing. So. So yeah. Um, so you you go from uh, landmines to bombshells, and. Um, yeah, so and of course, a uh, I, I keep going back. That's right. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> in early '90, I went to Cambodia. Then, then I kind of follow up with the uh, landmine, and then from landmine, I went into um, the uh, bombshell, right? And but I didn't just go there one time. I keep going back and back and back again. And a matter of fact, uh, in Laos, I actually didn't know how to speak Laotian, but I taught myself because I had to learn how to speak. And when there's so many times I can start to learn how to speak some Laotian basic, how to get around. And uh, so, so, you know, and, and figured out a way to survive on the trail, to walk on the trail. I would carry sticky rice, you know, and then peanut butter. I would... Uh, Take peanut butter and dip in. Uh, I mean, uh, sticky right dip into peanut butter and then would just, you know, save myself. And the way they cook sticky rice there, you can keep it for a whole day or two. You know, like yeah. it doesn't really get bad. But if you cook like a, a you know, a normal cooking and not steam it, it wouldn't last more than you know, a day. Yeah. But anyways, that's how I survive, and I figured out. A survival thing, uh, you know. I figured out how to somehow manage myself to get from one place to another. Um, and you know, there are some situations where I ran out of water. You know, mm. uh, um, I had to drink uh, water really like coffee, like coffee milk, like water. You know, but I I always carry uh, iodine. You know. It's like yeah. it's uh, oral iodine, so I would give a few drop and kill whatever, and you can see the water clear up, but it's still not totally, you know, transparent. Yeah. Um, so you have to drink. You have to live. You know. Yeah. So maybe I have some immune. Uh, <laughs> uh, what you think you have immunity. some uh... immunity? No, I'm just, 
Uh, I think over time you could probably build up immunity or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you've gone back so many times. Yeah. Um, so after so, that. Uh, yeah, I was well, after... I was gonna also make an observation like uh, earlier when you were talking about like how um, because you kept going back to the places and also you know every time you visit them you actually spend time with the people right. not just take pictures which right. sometimes can be a little bit uh, exploitive uh, exploit ex exploitative um, you know because you're you just take pictures of these people and you know it's not like you pay them or anything um right. yeah they become subject of your artwork but then you're the one getting recognized whether it's through ex exhibitions or uh, exhibits or um or you sell the photos to either magazines or other outlets or, or you just sell them um but you i mean the point is not so much just taking pictures but building relationships getting right. to know these people getting right. to know their stories right. um, and it's really that is part of your art and not just the pictures right. um, yeah. yeah so I think I think that's um, yeah it was just a comment it, it's not a question <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a one of those uh, thing, and then people always asking me why you go back there and so on, mm -hmm. you know. And and basically, I said, you know, so I see you, you know, say, like, you're in America, <laughs> you know. So so like, well, we all want to go to America. Why do you come here? And you know, it's really, I mean, there's really not much there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, uh, and I sleep in the same, you know, herds uh, uh, with them, their house and so on, built with bamboos and, you know, some, again, with the bombshells and so on. And, but they're very nice people, really. I mean, at the beginning, there's some area I've gone to uh, where the real chief, like if you don't, you know, beginning, I didn't know, like the first thing you have to do is go and find out who is the village chief and then talk to the guy. And 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 I usually carry these like Marlboros or five 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 cigarettes right. and 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 first thing I give it to them because uh, you know I say we're gonna kill you but you know I never have to say anything more just they will be relaxed and some people I don't have to give anything they're just nice people you know uh, some of them I look like a little bit irritant and you know like you know about to you know like they some of them ask me like do you have a travel paper mm. document you know because that's how the communist country how they they run you you always need document that to prove yourself that you are not the enemy mm -hmm. and um so i show my passport and they just say well, where's your travel uh, you know they don't understand passport right oh, and i say interesting. yeah they don't understand passport visa they don't get it yeah and so i have to explain to the guys like the passport is for me to travel not from one country to another country, and then in 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 Laos, uh, there's a visa here, and it said, you know, and in there it's like you're a tourist, and then they say this, you know, that's all I need here in Laos. But the villagers and so on, they always, you know, they want to have power. They also always want to, you know, see, and they want to see something that they used to see, not something. 
you yeah. know. And people don't really go to their village. The people who go to the village is the next village and so on, but not someone come from nowhere. You know, sometimes I walk right. into the village and kids and women run like crazy because they've never seen, you know, a stranger. So right? when you go to these villages, do you, you find the chiefs and do you explain why you're there, that you're there? Yeah, yeah. So they ask me pictures? what I do here. Yeah. I say, first, I like to see the country and I want to see it and play. And I say, the other thing is like, I'm always interested in this bomb, like, you know, in, in, in Laos and they say uh, Lubbard, Lubbard and uh, uh, Bombay, right? And, mm. and, and so I would uh, say that you see, I want to take, what did you make into it, you know? Uh, and then they would take pots and pans and, you know, or they drag me like, oh, there's something here and there. So I would take them and some people didn't really you know, didn't seem to uh, get what I'm saying, you know, because I had sometimes I had to use my hand and leg to express myself. So, so, but most of the time, like later on, they, I was able to express better, you know, at the beginning, I really didn't speak the language. And I carrying this uh, English Laotian dictionary. So I, you know, taught myself to speak really bad Laotian, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm lucky I, I was able I was able to speak Thai, so it's very similar. Huh. So you know, so so I was able to say a few words of Thai, but then I learned, you know, the the Laotian words and so on, kind of like helped me. And then in a way, it kind of helped me learn Thai too, right? So kind of back and forth, yeah. But my Laotian is, at that time now I don't know how much I remember, but I can speak Laotian better than Thai. Because in Thailand, I can just speak English and not have to speak Thai, you know. Yeah, well... But in I Laos, think, you can't. Well, this is like back in the 80s and 90s when you were traveling. So when when I traveled in Southeast Asia, this is, you know, 2017, a couple of decades later, and I had absolutely no trouble. <laughs> Everybody... Yeah, yeah. Also, I did not go yeah. to remote villages, so... Right. Uh, most of the right. places I went to, there were it was touristy enough. Um, if it's, un, you know, if not outright touristy, so like everyone really spoke English. Um, so yeah, so my travel experience is actually <laughs> not like yours at all. Well, you go to major city and so on. I mean, I yeah. go to those places that yeah. tourists don't go. Yeah. And I took some, you know, when I go, I took tourists to, with me. Like, you know, I consider myself a traveler, not a tourist. But, and, you know, how can you tell the difference? I think tourists oh. more likely go to specific uh, sightseeing and yeah. exciting and, 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 and historical places. I mean, travelers, to me, I consider myself more of a traveler. Or, or you call, you know, a backpack nowadays is not a backpack. You know, I wouldn't even call you. I wouldn't even call you a backpacker. I would. I would call you a traveler. Um, yeah. So I would. Yeah. yeah. And and when I travel to places, I usually look at the map, right? And I say, okay, I would like to go from here to there. Then I have to do whole research and ask the local people and say, how do I get from here to there? And they sometimes that you walk, or sometimes mm -hmm. you take a truck, and sometimes you you know. I even get a low this a low. Rice uh, plow tractor, like you know, one of those things they use their hands, like all oh. like they drive and they go so slow, it's like, a it's like 10 miles an hour, you know. 
And I had to sit that thing overnight to get to where I was going because there's nothing out moving in that evening, you know? So sometimes it was just like, sometimes the whole gym intro, I walk like a whole week, you know? And my blister was, anyway, it's a very, very. Wait, you would, tough... you would walk a whole week before you saw another village? No, no, no. You see village, you know, you walk like half a day and you see a village. Okay. And, and then, you know, and Ho Chi Minh Trail is not flat. It's, you just keep going up, 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 and then down, up, down, down, and then down, down, and then up again, you know. And you get down to the rivers and then you go up again. You know, I see a lot of waterfalls. It's beautiful. I mean, it's very mm. nice. But at the same time, there's a lot of wildlife going on. You know, there was an area where I can hear elephant, I can see elephant manures and where they sleep oh, wow. and then the question is like if you get too close what will you do yeah right and one uh, you know one time i brought firecrackers like burn the firecracker and threw at them and run right it's kind of a stupid thing to do what? uh the other thing is elephants? that you find yeah elephant right i mean what? if they Are... chase you if they chase you they oh elephants I, chase I, you Oh, you, no, 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 didn't chase me, but it was far away. I, no, no. I, like, if it, in case it happened, and if, if the elephant chased me, what would I do? I right? don't know. That's what... Do do elephants chase people? I thought elephants were... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah? I thought they pretty the much wild left one. you alone. Uh, no, no, no. Even domesticated elephant, they will uh-huh. can attack you. And the uh-huh. owner of the elephant had killed, get killed in Laos also. So the wild one in the, in the forest, the jungle, if you get too close to them, they will attack you. Mm. And if they have a baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any, uh, any kind, go don't, go, but, but I, don't go near any baby animals because mothers no. are close behind. Right. You'll but, get but killed. But even, even the without one, they, they can attack you if you get too yeah. close to them. Yeah. And, and so, so even uh, buffalo... Yeah, buffalo in Laos is not like a buffalo in Cambodia where they take them to the field or chase, you know. But in Laos, they let them run, you know, mm. wherever, you know, and sometimes they don't even go back to their village. Mm. Um, and if they see people, they get shocked. They can, you know, people get killed. Um, so, you know, we have to, I have to worry about that besides foods and safety and everything. Like, so I would carry a little bell or something like that and then, so it make noise, so you know, animal or people can hear it, you know, and yeah, and sometimes we got lost and we couldn't figure out where to go, you know, um, yeah. So oh. I took people with me sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. You said we. Uh, so sometimes you were with traveling companions for security reason, like if something happened, and if you have some other people, make the walk a little bit uh shorter right yeah i mean it's not like exhausting you talk and then you know the next time you somewhere yeah right and then if something happened to you the other person you know but sometimes i walk alone you know it's very hard when you walk alone but but then you can concentrate a little bit better right so as you were walking the ho chi minh trail where i mean was the purpose just to walk the trail or were you taking pictures? Well, I, I was, first I was curious what to see the trail itself. How did the North Vietnamese use the trail? And, 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 and you know, what kinds of trail did they have? 
And it's not just one trail. I mean, it's a serious trail because they get bombed out, they build another one or they build mm. extra one in case one get bombed out. So they have a series of trail and some area where it's very narrow, they have the most uh, protective, you know, uh, weapons, right? It's like missiles and, mm. you know, tanks and so on, yeah? And so you can see the evidence of that back then. Now I think it's all highway. The Ho Chi Minh Trail now is like big road, either dirt road or taut, you know, it's like a normal road now. So, and now, now is the motorcycle people are going, say, yeah, Yeah. we go to Ho Chi Minh Trails and, you know, and I I told them, it's like, you know, I was walking on those trail and they said, you walk on that trail, are you crazy? (laughs) So, you know, but anyway, I did that project and it did, you know, someone uh, learned about it, someone I used to work for uh, and told them. New York Times and they publish it and they had exhibition on it. So all these pictures we had exhibited, but usually people found me and oh. learned from me. I usually don't go to a gallery and tell them about. It. Yeah. Maybe that was Some the people, exhibit. Maybe that was the exhibit I saw. The Ho Chi Minh Trail. So the, as an Asian, the Asian American Art Center Something in Chinatown. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, but I took picture of the ground and that's not nothing bomb, right? And and you see, this is the another thing is more conceptual. Yes. Right. Because we are looking for bomb or all these spectaculars and you know compelling thing, but what about those water, those plant, those dirt, you know? And I think when I showed a picture, the 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 guy who run the gallery was shocked. It's like. You know, we expect to see the Ho Chi Minh Trail, those bombs and all those things. And here you go, it's just like abstract picture <laughs> of streams and grass or weed, you know. I said, this is what I'm trying to say, you know. If you read the text, and I don't remember I put a text or not. I don't and, and then And then, and then you, you look at the pictures, right, and reflect on what you see, use your imagination, you know, um, a little bit further. But anyway, I, I don't know, you know, so I, I try to go back to my art side instead of just documentary because I get tired of people calling me photojournalists, you know, yeah. Hmm. Um, is that what it is? Documentary more is of a photo for, essay for is, journalists. It's more, you're, you do yeah. more of a photo essay than a photojournalism. Yeah, but to yeah. people, it doesn't matter. It is all the no, same. Yeah. That's very different, actually. Yeah, but yeah. not not to most people. I think they they tend to, you know, they don't. Sometimes don't even. I would I would be okay if you called me a documentary photographer, you know. Mm-hmm. But they don't even say it's a documentary. They say, oh, you're full of journalists. Hmm. Yeah. No, you're not a journalist. So anyway, yeah. anyway, so so night. So I went there, right? Ho Chi Minh Trail, I did it. So I started already in 92, 93. 94, I did a, a little bit. 95, I kind of passed by. 96, 97, when I went do a series, really, I went gone through Laos, Cambodian Laos. So every and time... 99... Yeah, okay. So every time you went, did you did you walk the entire trail every time? Or no, every you can't time... pass me. The entire trail is like a thousand miles. Okay, okay. So so every time you went, you went to like a different 
part section. of it. Different yeah, section. Yeah, section. So I start from the south and. Okay. But I think I start from the north and then I go. There's a middle part I didn't go. So I went to the south, right? And so 96 to 97, I went from the south to towards the. Didn't get to uh, one part I couldn't get into because, uh, you know, um, it's just too long. I did a whole week. Mm. And I say next trip, I will do the next one. And the next one, I did it with two Italian. Didn't make it because they, you see, the problem is when you walk, I kind of learn how the trail works and so on. And then when we went to one area, <clears throat> the trail sometimes returned to nature, right? Yeah. So you no longer see invisible. But then if you have walked enough and you learn enough, it's, it's, it's ahead. So that area may be full of trees and so on. If you can make it through that tree and not get lost, you wind up the trail again, right? Some trail visible mm-hmm. because the people you continue to use. Some trail is no longer visible. Grass and trees grow you know, through it. But they didn't listen to me. So we, I, I said to them, said, then we should follow this water. And I'm sure... They, your travel companies. Right, the, the tra- two Italian okay. tourists. And I said, if you take this water, and they insist, like, this is the trail. And I say, no, because it's, it's when it's a rainy season, there's no way they can use this. It will be flooding too deep. And right now it's shallow to the angle, to the knee, but, you know, rainy seasons are different. I say it has to be on the other side of the hill, but they fought me and eventually I say, listen, if you want to try it, we'll go. But it's very dangerous because we can't see the water. We have to walk and stepping on things, right? Yeah, and you don't know how deep it right. is. Right, so mostly it's not very deep, most of it, you know, but we walked the whole Still. entire thing and then it came around and went up. Guess what? The trail is right there. And yeah, and then I said to the two guys, "Is like we have to go to the left. When we look at the trail, we have to go left. If you go right, we go back exactly where I was telling you know you guys about." I told them. They said, "No, no, no. We have to go right. That's the right way." They so lost because they went around uh, on the water and they went kind of like a half a, a egg shape, you know, uh, uh-huh. around it, and then. You basically have to go left to turn it on trail. And they insist that, no, they go right. And guess what? I say it's fine. Because at that time, it was getting dark, uh, sunset and everything. We have to find a shelter. Usually, I uh, had to see if there's a village we can stay, you know. It's fine. So how many, we, how many years did it take you to do the entire trail? Did you do the entire trail? I don't know. I think the not 100% entire trail, I would say. Yeah, I think there's some section I didn't go. Yeah, because uh, either there's not much there that interests in me or it's just not passable, like the trail, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah. So I I did part of in Cambodia and then 96, 97, I follow more in Cambodia and, and mainly in Laos. Right, and then I also went to Vietnam. See, but the Ho Chi Minh Trail is really not in Vietnam. So mainly in Laos and in Cambodia. 
Um, and then 99, I did, you know, uh, walk. And then 2002, I did another walk and I got sick, malaria. And, and, and oh. since then, I didn't walk anymore until 2009. 2009, yeah. 2000, early 2010, yeah. I started to walk again. Were you taking malaria pills? No, or no. You didn't, you didn't take I it? think uh, I walk all the time. I was very protective. Usually repellent. Cover yourself as much as you can, and then you spray the repellent and sleep with a mosquito net. The problem with that situation is two things. I walk and I took two people, a Japanese and American guy. When I talked to them and they were interested and they wanted to go, I said, it's fine, you can go with me. The guy actually didn't want to go, but then changed his mind and he went with me. And that was a disaster. And the Japanese girl went with me, wind up like, you know, I think the guy trying to date her or something, but she's a married woman. You know, it was a triadic uh, relationship there. It was in work. But this American guy, he's anarchist. You know, he's totally like, every time you talk to him, he always like attack you. And at one point, he drank water. Like we just started a trail and he saw the water coming down and it was clear, nice, clear, clean water. But he started to drink it. I said, don't drink those water, it can get you sick. And he said to me, you know what I say? You shouldn't even go, you know, just uh, walking this trail. You shouldn't even tell people, advise people anything. You don't know anything. He drank the water. I warned him. He, on the edge, laughed back at me. And then there was just one thing after another. Every time I say something, he just, there's always attack. And I told him, like, one thing you don't want to do is sleep by the water. Because yeah. that's where a lot of mosquito is coming out. Stay away from the world. But he insists, and I have obligation. I'm afraid something may happen to that Japanese woman. So I would try to stay as close to them by the rivers. And then also the danger of the river is that there's a flash flood. Yeah, but that time was not a flash flood because it's not a rainy season. Uh, well, it's actually a rainy season. It was still rainy season. I was worried about the flash flood, but then it was high enough and I just kind of slept there. And then when we get to another place, you know, I went to take a nap and I, that trip also, not just that, this anarchist American guy, but also I used natural repellent and that was a disaster. Ah, right? Because natural deed. repellent, you need DEET. You need a high percentage of DEET, you know? Yeah. And I didn't have DEET in it. Every trip I didn't get sick because I had DEET. This one, it had deed and it was an infected area also, rain. Most of the time I walk, it was more drier, you know? And so I can see a mosquito bit me and, you know, usually they don't come close to me, you know? And I can see in my feet, like five or six of them. And, Wait, and, why and, you, and why didn't you have your own mosquito repellent? No, I have my own mosquito repellent, except it ain't natural. Because a lot of people say, oh, deed is bad for you. It may, you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't oh, listen okay. to these people. You know, that's that's when I try to soften myself and not being <coughs> insistent, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's when you get sick, you get into trouble. You listen to people or fight with other people. Yeah. Your own instinct and you've researched enough and you, you know. 
Anyway, I used to have a big bottle of, of deed, but that trip, for some reason, I brought only natural one. Because people, blah, 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 talking about, you know, how poisonous and deed and everything. But I think it could have killed me. The deed probably would have saved me, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I wind up, anyway, so I walk on a trip. We never got very far, right? I have to turn back. I went, okay, so when we walk, I just go into too much detail anyway. Yes, you do. Um, so, okay, let's get to the point. So, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I got malaria. I, when I left Laos, I started to get sick and I went in the hospital for a week. I can't even walk and the nurse had to take me to the, to the, to the toilet. And I was just, that was the worst. I never got so sick like that, you right. know? And so the... no one should get, ever get malaria. Now, now though, my concern now is COVID-19 is like malaria, you know, like how it infected yeah you need people to be infected to infect other people you know yeah yeah um yeah COVID-19 well COVID-19 is not like malaria because malaria it's if you uh, stop it in one play it will not spread you need you need blood they need they need people infected and mosquito will bite you right yeah but it's malaria Right. Okay. It, it's carried by mosquitoes. It's not people. Mosquito. Spreading. Well, here it's but, a droplet. Okay. It's a yeah. similar, right? People to people, right? Well, yeah, from people, uh, mos- uh, people, mosquito, people. Yeah. Keep going. That way. So yeah. So it's a slight difference, um, hmm. where COVID is direct people to people infection. Malaria is is there is a third party carrier. Uh, right. So as long as you stay away from mosquitoes, you could be around people who, who have malaria. You won't catch it as long as you don't right. stay away right. from mosquitoes. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, so, so that projects. Uh, you know, I mean, when I got infected with malaria, I didn't go back on that trail again for a while, and then of course I have kids and so on, and um, you know didn't do much projects again. And then I started revisiting in 2000, early 2010. Mm. And then uh, the next one, I didn't go again until 2014. But on the Cambodia side, I went there, you know, pretty often. And, you know, uh, two years ago, I was talking to myself, you know, and even last year, not last year, 2019, um, I start to, you know, propose idea to do, you know, after the Tiananmen Square uh, in uh, Brooklyn University because they are very interested in Southeast Asia stuff, you know, and it seems like the museum very interested in some stuff like that, you know. So I say, yeah, um, if, and then there was someone who researched on photography and, you know, doing a PhD in photography, I talked to her about it and say, and she she liked my projects, you know, and I said, well, maybe, you know, I, I actually want to go back to the whole gym and trail and then mm-hmm. to do some more, this time, like studio type of photography, you know, where you set up studio and then take the object and actually photograph them, with, you know, lighting and background. Yeah, and, but then COVID-19, you know, another kids uh. and COVID-19 come. So that's, you know, uh. not going to happen. Yeah. For a while, yeah. But um, I think the problem with me is that none of this project ever end. 
there's no finish. <laughs> yeah? So that's, that's the problem with me. I mean, even Tiananmen Square is never going to finish, yeah? even though the protest ended. Uh-huh. But the whole idea, the concept of what happened then is never end. Like, I mean, I, if I, why, why, uh, if, why doesn't it, if Kara end? was not pregnant with the baby and didn't have, we, we didn't have Nalai in 2019, right? Yeah. I'd probably be going to Hong Kong quite often. Right? Oh, I see. Okay. The right. concept of, the concept of protest against a tyrannical government. That, right. On, okay. on, on any, any kind of major protest like that. You yes. Know, yes. Uh, and even a COVID-19, right? I mean, I could have started in China and, you know, like document, sort of snap picture. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know exactly what I'm photographing about, but you can see what's happening. How and, close and were you to Wuhan? So at, at the time no, that... No, it's very pen- far away. Okay, at the time, okay, just, just for the benefit of the listeners. So at the time um, COVID-19 broke out, you were living in China, in Shenzhen, which is um, not about three hour train ride from Hong Kong. So you were pretty no, south. No, 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 no. Hong Kong is just right on the other side of the border. But uh, Wuhan is uh, pretty far were, away. I but, thought you were but, like three hours. Uh, I thought Shenzhen was like three hours from Hong Kong. No. Well, the, you take a, a. It's about an hour. Okay, uh, it's not that far then. From, I mean, literally right across the water from Hong Kong, but you know Hong oh, Kong wow. is pretty big too. You from the center yeah. of Hong Kong, the island, you take the the metro. It would take an hour to get to Shenzhen border crossing. Okay. And then you have to take you know yeah it's like an hour by metro bus or a metro train okay so you're okay so you're you were pretty close to uh hong kong okay yeah um, but wuhan is like you know like a few hour you know flight from uh, at least three hours of flight okay. from yeah. Shenzhen. um you know most towards the middle of, of, of china so um, you're you're saying you're saying if you weren't if you didn't ha- if you were not expecting no you already yeah, you already but, had uh, the baby, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You already and, had and, the and baby. And then the protests that happened, also, I didn't really do it because of me expecting, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like June and from June uh, 2019. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, be, you know, anyway, I kind of back off. And then when I get to New York, I didn't do it either because I, I'd be interesting, you know take a bicycle and ride around um, New York and document, you know, even just a s- empty street, you know? Yeah, um, that would have been interesting. Um, yeah, since the lockdown happened, I actually didn't leave my uh, neighborhood at all. Like, I mm. I did not uh, ride the subway or the bus or anything. Uh, so if I couldn't get uh, there by foot, you know, so the only place I went to after the lockdown started is somewhere I could get on by foot. Like if I if I could walk there, <laughs> then I didn't mm, go. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So mm. I didn't. Uh, um, yeah. So I mean, I would have wanted to go out, uh, especially to Manhattan. You know, uh, empty streets or 
protest or whatever just to see what's going on but um yeah i didn't it would have been yeah. interesting no to i mean also the the, yeah. the the black Lives matter um yeah you know protest that could have been another things i would like to go and would have got but again i have you know so there's families. a th- there's a theme here, though, in terms of what you're attracted to in, as a subject matter. You're, you're attracted to turmoil, like wars and protests and, mm. um, you know. That's a, that's a reflection of, of, of going through, you know, yeah, I guess wars so. and yeah. Vietnam wars and civil wars and uh, uh, genocide and, you know, refugees and... You know, I guess there's a lot of that influenced by all these things. But I also, I think I'm I, I also interested in people um, either struggle to have a better life or people who actually move on, mm-hmm. like the case of people victim, you know. Um, I think I'm attracted to all of these things is because it's pretty obvious um, and I'm connected, you know. But when I travel, I usually try not to do what normally what people already have done, you know. I try to see something differently, you know. So, for example, like I did bomb pond, but I didn't do it just bomb pond, right? I did a whole human trail. I did different stuff. There's one Cambodian guy, he did only bomb pond and he happened to be in the same I'm sorry, exhibit bomb bomb what pond like a bomb crater oh yeah. okay that's what it, it's it turned into okay. a pond yeah oh pond. he did a yeah bomb, bomb crater okay and he did a whole projects on it and make it really beautiful and he did very well he saw a lot of pictures but you know that's a different approach right mm-hmm. and um he go there and photograph, and I, when I talk, when I give a talk at his gallery, at his uh, exhibition, uh, he say, "Wow, there's so much going on," and you know, it's like this. He didn't know much what was going on. He just go and photograph and then make it beautiful with digital camera, you know. And I spent so many years. But anyway, after that, yeah. I I trying to. You know, uh, I went back to Cambodia and lived there for some four or five years, 2010. Um, after so many years of absence, after malaria and have family, have kids and so on. Um, and then I, you know, move on and uh, trying to restart in Cambodia. And I always want to live in Cambodia, you know, before I visit, but I never live, live, you know. Um, how long did you then, say? How long? How long did you stay each time you went back? Like a few weeks or a few months? Well, back then, before they had the 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 visa thing, you have to leave every month. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so every month I have to, to leave, and so I would go to different country, different places, and in that case, I went. Yeah, ninety six, ninety seven. I went to Laos and Vietnam. And, you know, sometimes you can cross from Laos to Vietnam yeah. and so on. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's not easy back then. It's very hard. Sometimes you, in Vietnam, you start from point A 
you can go wherever you want, but you have to exit the same point. Mm. Yeah, you cannot go from A to B and then exit B. Um, you have to come back to A. So you you go all the way away, and then you have to come right back, repeat the same road, and so on. So it's very difficult back then. Um, yeah. So in 2010, like October, I went back to Cambodia, November, and I rent the place, and I start paint. I start the drawers and oh. trying to see what's going on in the cities and so on, and I trying to create, you know, artwork and start to make sculptures, start printmaking and so on. Now, um, I notice that when I'm alone, I'm not with anyone, I make better work. And when I'm with someone and have family, I make nothing. <laughs> I talk more. <laughs> that, 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 might be, that might be common. Um, yeah, because you're so. you're you're le you're more focused when you're alone. You know, you're more. Yeah. Focused also, alone. you you you're more you contemplative know. too. I think. Right, and then you yeah. take risks, and you know you yeah, that's you, true. and then you live very. You don't have to live more luxury. You know, you live more. Um, I mean, I just you know get a piece of plywood and <laughs> sleep on a. The sleeping bags and so on. I mean, you know, simple, yeah. So that's a very different now, you know. And back then, I when I in the ninety, I never stay in even two thousand something. I never stay in one place longer than a week, you know. So I constantly moving. So um, that's how I was, you know. But now so I'm. Are you working on anything now? No, right now I think of thing, and you know I told myself to do painting in China. I never did. Uh, I started to make sculpture out of baby clothes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I started like you know a while ago, like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. I stuff things in the you know baby clothes like pika and lies. And then uh, my kids, uh, and I would nail it on the trees and stuff like that. And and I'm thinking of doing it again, but this time I want to create, a, you know, a form and stuff like that. You Wait, know. so you were and you were taking? I was going to do it in China again, but then you have COVID nineteen. We abandoned everything, all that stuff. I right, COVID nineteen just screwed up everybody's life. Everybody, right. And wait, now wait, wait. I'm trying to do it again. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Before. Before you keep going, I just want to clarify what it is that you actually did. So you took your children's baby clothes and you right. nail them to trees. I first I stuffed them with haze, right? Hey, okay. To make into a a dummy. Yeah, okay, uh, stuffed animal. Uh, Basically, a stuffed uh, baby doll. Yeah, clothes. Yeah, doll. Yeah. And I they had no head, no uh -huh. hand, no leg, but I would nail them. As it looked like they climb up the tree, you know, I see. behind each other. Um, but now, uh, in China, I had like a bunch of clothes, and I thought it was perfect. And I was gonna take them and go to Cambodia. You know, I always want to go back to Cambodia. I think somehow, 
there's a space and stuff like that because uh, I can't make things if I don't have space, you know. In Cambodia, have, yeah, people I know have space and I can do it. And I was going to borrow a friend's trees and start to make sculpture. Um, but then that didn't work out, you know. And also my painting, all my equipment, everything I had to abandon. Um, now here in Jordan, I'm out in New York. It was a whole year and couldn't go anywhere. But now here, we left New York and here in Amman, Jordan, I'm thinking again and want to do it. Except here, there's hardly any tree. <laughs> You're in the desert. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so then, anyway, we can amplify or figure it out. Maybe there are uh, utility <clears throat> poles. There are utility poles. Uh, you get in you trouble. Do. You know, it's like or you don't yeah. want to mess up. Yeah, people. I mean, I there might be something I can do. So, <clears throat> uh, I I think I spend time thinking about many things and conceptualize in my head. Yeah, but I you have yet physically to make them. Yeah, and the problem with me is like when I make something big and something large, I have no place. I usually abandon them. Uh, you know, I, I get ripped. Man. So, so, so I try not to make something big. Okay. So, what is what concept are you working on now? What are you what are you thinking about now? Well, I'm thinking about the sculpture, and because you have, oh, okay, you know, we have a lot of baby clothes, but also not the baby, the progression to adult, right? Mm. I mean, and but you have to make it, and now I'm trying to think differently than what I used to do with photography. Try to make it look interesting and more beautiful, more, you know, have forms and so on, and 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 not trying to be to leave it open, uh, uh, certain aesthetic, you know, form. I trying to make, so, you know. I mean, it can be a very freaky thing, but it yeah. can be, Headless yeah, it can babies. be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the one I did in, in, in Holland, right? And the neighbor really didn't like it because they yeah. freaked them out. Yeah. Because they walk at night on sun and thought a baby would climb a tree, you know? And they really look like babies, like three or four of them. You know? <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. But this is going to be even more, you know? Like I have a lot clothes, right? So, um, yeah, I think, uh, but also I want to do painting too. And here, I have a hard time finding art supply here, you mm. know. Um, but I'm sure there is a round. It's just like COVID-19 prevent me from going out further and have to take care of the baby. But that's no excuse. But, uh, you know, um, I can still do something. And um, I'll just have to find time and, and do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good, good luck to you with all that. I think we'll end here. Um, yeah. yeah, well... I think, uh, yeah, I hope you find the time and the space and the materials to work on your next project. I'm sure whatever it is, it'll be interesting. Actually, the, the, the baby clothes sculpture idea is sounds interesting. Um, mm. I'm, yeah, I'd be curious. Maybe you should, I don't know, sketch that out or something. Or <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, when I make my work, I... Just, I uh... I don't plan things. I just oh, you just do it. Just do it, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, once I plan things, I usually wind up not doing it. Oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> yeah, I did that before. I sketched thing, and you know, I just have to do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was told. I mean, I require some sketches and so on to, to you know, but, but you, once I in it, I have to be in it. You know, right. I cannot be interrupted. You know, right, right. If, if I get interrupted, I can't do it. And, and that's the problem. I so far haven't been able to do it. That, well, that's the creative process, isn't it? That, um, yeah, once you start. There's no such thing as free time. There's no such thing as, well, because even you're sitting there not doing anything, you your mind's evolving. you constantly uh, thinking, creating, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but you can only create so much, right? I mean, you have to finish one idea, right? I mean, sometimes you have a four or five things going on, but I think to come up with an idea takes a yeah. lot of time. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I've seen people who making so many projects and so on. I think they, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think they're stealing idea. I don't think they... they I don't want to say anything create. about that because I don't know. Well, I think we all... <laughs> well, well, here, I, here, my... I, what I think is there's probably no real completely unique concept uh, that right. we all sort of learn from each other and borrow from each other, you know. Right. Well, there, there's always appropriation and so on, and there's always borrow from others. But but there are people who actually really taking. You okay, know? well, I'm sure yeah. there are people who do that too, yeah. but Take advantage, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but you're not one of them. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that's why I'm not making anything right now. Because <laughs> you can't think of something unique that's uniquely your own. Yeah. Well. Well, well, this podcast is certainly not a unique idea. Now everyone's doing it. And that's not right. why I'm doing it, yeah. but everyone is doing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway. Uh, well, that said, I hope you guys still, I hope people listen and and enjoy it and like it and follow and subscribe and do all that. So beer cake with JJ co beer cake podcast. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Kyung. Do you, if do you want people to follow you, are you on social media? Do you want them to follow you, your work? Uh, uh, if people Google me and they'll find me somewhere. Okay, well there you go. <laughs> Actually, uh, you and I are on Facebook, but uh, are you on Instagram? I'm not sure if I. No, um, I I guess I am in it too. Yes. I'm okay. Facebook, and Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with your name, I'll find you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was fun chatting with you uh, and learning about all the details of your artwork. Uh, I know I've seen some of your exhibits, but I don't think I actually had a conversation with you to this detail about all the stuff, you know, all the stories behind it. So it was great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you so much. Um, all right. So with that, um, I guess we'll end here. I always have a hard time ending things, <laughs> ending conversations. Okay. Bye, Kyung. Bye, everyone. Thank you.